right it's time it's time it's time again for the in time wrestling podcast with your boys we're back again it's been another i guess you could say action-packed week so far we're halfway through it mm-hmm. you know but again we're here to cover aw and nxt we only covered smackdown last time because thanks to elimination chamber falling on saturday we were going to cover it and then wait until Elimination Chamber was over. God, that show fucking sucked. We might actually have a Raw SmackDown episode this week because I actually was able to sit through a three-hour Raw. And it wasn't terrible, right? It was watchable. That's the good thing. It was something I could sit through. That's Again, <laughs> it was watchable. There was some stuff that we freaking hated. And there's stuff that we actually liked. But we'll get to that on Saturday. We're here to cover the... As I would say, the the good shows of the week, mainly, usually, because... The consistently good shows. Yeah, because, well, you know how even these two shows don't really always be... Are not always good. Yeah, but there's not a, always good. There's more majority of the time they're, they're good. They're consistently more better than Raw and SmackDown, which sucks because SmackDown was known for a long time to be the best show of the week. Yeah, but now it's fallen down because you know it's arguably the worst which sucks because i was enjoying smackdown being the better show but you know that shit had to fucking get tanked because of the stupid garbage draft because usa probably sitting there crying on their freaking hands and knees going our show sucks we need to tank fox like fuck out of here with that shit but before we jump into the two main things, let's cover a little bit of the stuff we've heard so far. So, and it's, again, mainly AEW-esque. We heard the report that Swerve, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Shane Strickland, whichever one you want to call him, is more than likely heading to AEW. Yeah, uh, again, this is, these two, well, one's not a dirt sheet. The, uh, this one is, the yeah. Swerve thing is a dirt sheet thing. It came from Sean Ross Sapp, so of course take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But he tweeted out and reported on his Fightful Select thing that Swerve, which he's going by Shane Swerve Strickland. So he's going back to Shane Strickland, yeah. thank God. But uh, he c- apparently confirmed and reported that Swerve did sign a contract, and he will be headed to AEW soon. I mean, he said that's where he wanted to go. So, again, I know it sucks because AEW's fucking loading their roster again, and that's more people getting pushed down again. I mean, I don't I don't want to be that guy, but it just, I can't picture Swerve doing much. I can't picture Swerve really... 
I mean, yeah, he's an indie guy, but I honestly just can't see him, like, like really going all out like he was. Like, honestly, I don't even know if he's even going to even touch a championship like he used to. Like, that's concerning. Like, The best I could see him do is winning the TNT title. I don't even know if he'll do that, and that's concerning. That's like, the best I could see him doing. It sucks, because that man is a world champion, and any time he wanted to be. But if he's just going to be another face on the roster, he's going to learn quick that going to AEW is not really a great thing. And that's a lot of people's thing. Yeah. And that's the thing that concerns, concerns me with a certain somebody who debuted on the show, which we'll talk about when we get there. But again, he, I feel like he's going to be another face. He's just another face in the roster. Like Swerve might end up being the same thing. Keith Lee is another one for me that just feels like he's going to be just another face. Which and sucks. I didn't bring this up to you because there's nothing been reported or like confirmed. I should say, mm-hmm. but um, it was also reported that they they also might be working on getting Jonathan Gresham in, and I'm like, for so he could team up with Jay Lethal again. I mean, <laughs> so with the whole talk that when Supercard of Honor comes back on April first, it's going to be Gresham Bandito. Yeah. Either Gresham's losing that title and Bandito gets the title back. Or Gresham's going to still have that title while still floating around but be with AEW, which is bizarre. I don't know how well that's going to work. Yeah, but all these people, like, hoping and praying that fucking Jonathan Gresham signs (sighs) with AEW, I'm like, he's just going to team with Jay Lethal. Yeah, not they're gonna. They're just gonna reform their team. They're just gonna. They could potentially win the tag team titles. That would just be AEW turning themselves a little bit into Ring of Honor. Originally, yeah. just throwing them in the tag division and going and just strapping the tag titles on them. That would be weird. And just think if AEW eventually ever signs the fucking Briscoes. I mean, do we honestly think they're gonna sign there? Is the question. They're not going to sign anywhere else. I wish they'd sign with NXT. I want to fucking... Honestly, other than an FTR match, that's really the only thing I really see that I really would want from maybe a Santana and Ortiz match. The, the Briscoes in NXT would do absolutely nothing. I they mean, do not fit with the current scheme of NXT. I mean, they need a fucking big tag team like that. They have the Creeds, yeah, that's a developing tag team that's getting over like a motherfucker. You have Imperium, you have MSK, but you need some other fucking teams with a big name. Like, GYV's fallen off big time. They were fucking a beloved tag team that everyone was, like, in love with, but then they became a fucking comedy gimmick with their stupid, oh, well, you, I have to teach you how to cheat. Even though we've been fucking tagging forever, like, come on. Like, the only freaking thing I would love to see from them in WWE is an Uso match. Yeah. And maybe an MSK match, if MSK ever got called up. Like, but even Imperium would be a fucking match that I'd love to see between the two of them. Like, yeah, again, like, they have challengers there. Would it be amazing tag matches? Like, don't get me wrong, there's definitely some matches in... NXT and WWE that would I would love to see against the Briscoes, but they just do not fit. I mean, they could fit, 
but I know how they are. Their their style and the way that they're like, yeah, they, uncensored to the fucking brim. There's no way in hell that they would go to WWE. No, honestly, they which, would. They would not fit in WWE's scheme. They they are literally the epitome of everything that AEW is. Yeah, pretty much. Like again, just to see them finally be on TV is a plus in my book because the fact that nobody's picked them up yet like actually sat down signed them and we see them on TV every week and i've said this many shocks the shit out of me i've said this many of times that AEW is is literally just an indie show on television and that's what a lot of people used to say about NXT though but now it's kind of become another like main roster-esque show yeah it's NXT now is developmental. Yeah. So now AEW has that indie show on TV. Mm-hmm. So why would you not sign all the indie fucking That's true. hype ups and fucking everyone, every fucking indie darling that everyone loves? That is true. Bring in the fucking Briscoes. I mean, they've already have fucking half of them already. Pretty much. Yeah. They've picked up a lot. So honestly, again. Now I see what you're saying. Like, they probably would fit better in AEW than they yeah. would in Just WWE. think of every, every person that has ever appeared on, like, a PWG or a fucking, like, one of those type of indie shows. GCW, GCW, for instance, yeah. even the early day, early day ROHs. I mean, WWE got Alex Zane and Blake Christian, and they fucked that completely up. Because that's two fantastic fucking people right there. And they blew it on them too, which fucking sucks. But they're back in GCW and killing it mm-hmm. right now. So we'll have to see what happens with them. But the other news that we have is it was apparently fucking revealed that from Jeff Hardy's mouth himself that he's going to AEW. And again, we said it the last time. It's not if he's going to AEW, it's when he's going to AEW. Yeah, he, uh, he said he had a... He had a little bit of things to say. Uh, Just. He had some things to say on a channel with 325 subscribers, I should say. A YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. He had an interview with this kid. I don't remember his name. Mm-hmm. But he, they were doing an interview and he had some things to say. I wish I had the quote pulled up. But um, he, um, he basically said... That he felt, like, offended that he was told to fucking go get a sobriety test. I mean, after the whole thing at the live event, I'm not surprised they did it. But if it was literally just Jeff finding a way to get the fuck out of there, like, it kind of makes Jeff Hardy look like an asshole. Just a little bit. Well, yeah, it, it's he could have just said something, but right. in reality, saying something nowadays doesn't really mean anything. Cause look at Ali. Yeah, but I get WWE didn't want to lose him, but like, what was Jeff Hardy doing? What were you gonna do with Jeff Hardy at that time? Yeah, really. Like, it's obvious what he wants to do. He wants to be with his brother. He wants to fucking be the tag team that they, they they think they can still be that that fucking tag team of years ago, honestly, I don't know how well it's going to work because we said it a bunch of times too that occasionally when Jeff was in WWE, 
still, he was looking like shit. Yeah. Like, he looked like shit. He was starting to look like his brother was when he first came back. Yeah, and that's like he, not good. He was looking like he could barely move. Yeah. It's not Jeff Hardy of old. He can't move the way he used to anymore. Like, so we're going to see a kind of... Yeah, he he basically just straight up said in that interview on that channel that I'm on my way to AEW. And again, <laughs> doesn't, didn't surprise me. We've... Which, if you're Tony Khan, you're like, come on, Jeff. You couldn't have just waited. Come on! I know. <laughs> I get it. Tony wouldn't be happy about that. But again, he's bringing in Jeff Hardy. You think yeah. he's really going to be pissed about that? Yeah, like, he, he probably doesn't give a shit. Tony Khan's a fucking mark to the end, and that's it. Like, again, he's going to be with his brother. They're probably going to win the tag titles at least once. Give it to a team, and then they'll both be like, okay, it's time to hang it up, and that's it. And I'll be like, alright, well... And the thing that I didn't understand is that in that quote that I saw on Twitter, at the end of the quote, apparently he said, and fuck WWE. And I'm like, so that's the company that's going to induct you in the Hall of Fame. Yes, we know the, because we know the, we know the Hall of Fame is, according to sh- a shit ton of people, fucking pointless. But, come on. It's the Hardys. Going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And you're going to burn that bridge pretty much no, by just saying fuck they're WWE. They're not burning the bridge. You know exactly as soon as they retire and WWE calls the both of them up and say, Hey, we want to du- induct the Hardys into the Hall of Fame. They're going to go, we'd love to. Yeah. So why, I get that your fucking emotions are running high and you're talking about you're signing with a new company, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You have all these like bad emotions towards WWE in the in your current position mm-hmm. but in the future they're going to be inducting you in the Hall of Fame and you cannot disagree with that you are not denying a Hall of Fame inductee for the rest of your life yes you turn down a solo induction but if they call you and say you're going to be a team together and get inducted you can't tell me neither one of them's going to turn it down. And as soon as they do the Hardys, you know they're going to do Jeff by himself. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They could do Matt by himself, too. Even Matt though Matt deserve it. Wow! <laughs> wow! I'm, I'm sorry, Matt, but y- your career just doesn't match up to Jeff's. <sighs> yeah, I mean, but still. You know Matt would go in, too. It's easy. Not by himself. If Edge and Christian can go in and Christian's was kind of meh, Christian isn't in the Hall of Fame. I know, but Christian is probably going to end up in the Hall of Fame if the fucking, because he deserves it. If WWE doesn't fucking look at it and go, "Oh, you left us for AEW," you know that that kind of puts a little damper on that if Hall of can, Fame induction. If you compare Edge and Christian and Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, Edge and Christian both deserve a <laughs> Hall of Fame by themselves. Jeff does, Matt doesn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Being ECW champion doesn't make you a Hall of Famer. <laughs> You mean WWECW, get her? Whatever, the, the fucking... The big silver one that they had to make for Mark Henry because he was too fat to fit the fucking belt around his fucking gut. But anyway, we knew Jeff was going there. So yeah. even when he shows up, it's not going to be like... Yeah, like you said... It's not going to be a big surprise Like when you Jeff said, it up. was a matter yeah. of when, not if. Yeah, again, when he shows up, it's not going to really be like... Oh, well, we didn't expect this one. Come on. Oh, wow. So surprising, man. Just, anyway, that was what we wanted to cover before we jumped into it. We debated on what we were going to start with. We're going to start with NXT. So, 
It's the, the post-Vengeance Day edition. Show kicked off with Braun Breaker coming out. Still NXT champion, thank God. Like, it, that's nothing against Santos Escobar. I just don't see the point. I wouldn't have seen the point if you had given him the title and taken it off him, especially with what he's involved with right now. But Bronco comes out, says Santos Escobar put up a tough fight. And then he's ready talking about, he talks about Stand and Deliver, which apparently is on the same night as night one of WrestleMania. Which, boy, that's going to be a loaded night. That's going to be fucking crazy. Like, I mean, night one is already loaded. I mean, the first of April is already loaded for a lot of wrestling fans. You have SmackDown, you have the Hall of Fame if if anybody else is watching it, and you also have Supercard of Honor, which, holy shit, I don't know how the fuck I'm going to be able to watch all that, but I'm going to find some way to watch it. Even if I have to watch Supercard of Honor before watching Stand and Deliver, or I have to watch Supercard of Honor the same night. I just don't know what I'm going to do. They're going to have to start Stand and Deliver at, like, noon. <clears throat> Probably. It's going to have to be something early, because you can't have it go flow right into WrestleMania. That gives nobody a chance to relax before WrestleMania. And especially if it's going to be on Peacock. It can't. You can't run two live events, premium live events, on... Peacock at the same time. And that would be kind of stupid to fucking have NXT still go, but then WrestleMania starts. Like, the only difference that it would make is if it freaking, if, you know how WrestleMania normally has like a two-hour pre-show. If there's like nothing in the first hour of the show and Stand and Deliver is still going and it somehow flows into that first hour of the the pre-show, I can understand. That's fine, because nobody's really going to want to sit there at the beginning first hour of a two-hour pre-show and just listen to them talk and have them pick their own picks of who's going to win for the night. Like, But realistically, if you start Stand and Deliver at, like, 12, it's not going, like, four hours. No, it would have to start it, at it, 12. Yeah, it, it, it would only go to, like, two 2.30 at the latest, maybe 3 if you push it that long. Yeah, at most you're going to have like 5, 6 matches. But then again, if you end it at 3, if it ends at 3, you only have 2 hours from that to get ready for the pre-show. Okay. Like, again. That's fine with me. I mean, it would have to end early. It would have to end sometime beforehand. Yeah, it, it has just to, to give people, it has Just to, to give someone early. the breathe, just to give everybody the breathing room before WrestleMania. Yeah, it has to start and end early. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be on the same night as night one of WrestleMania, then mm-hmm. it has to start at like 12. Yes. So, Braun talks about that. He gets interrupted by Ziggler. Ziggler congratulated him on his title match. And then, I'm guessing, so by the gist of what we got here, Ziggler's coming for the title. Yeah. Because he even said that he's he's not champion yet, as he says. So, but he tells that Braun's not going to be able to come out there, that he's got the night off, and that he's barred from ringside. He can't get involved with his match with Champa, so we don't have to worry about that. And so Ziggler leaves, and that was the opening, which again, I thought this was fine. This was really good. It's Ziggler, who honestly feels like he feels kind of refreshed in NXT right now, especially being on the main roster and kind of just doing fuck all. 
which is nice to see him, you know, kind of feel like a little bit of refreshed. He feels something that he hasn't felt in a very long time. Yes. Important. Yes, <laughs> which sucks because Dolph Ziggler's fucking great, but he's just a tag team guy now and does nothing. And it's kind of shitty, like really shitty. But the first match of the night was L.A. Knight and Grayson Waller. So we've seen the whole feud building out so far with the whole, the the restraining order and leaving L.A. Knight laying out in the parking lot, taking his car, the, the, the attempt at a public arrest last week. So we're finally getting the match. And to be honest, again, this was fine. I don't know what it was. This match needed something. It just felt like it was lacking something. Yeah, it it didn't... It felt like it reached, like, second gear and just didn't... Just idled. All in. It just idled the entire time. Like, I don't know why. I expected so much out of this match, and I feel like I got so little of this match. Which, again, Grayson gets the win off of the, the cheap tight roll-up. Yeah. So... But L.A. Knight ends up leaving him and Sangha dropped with the BFT. And as he's leaving, you hear him go, tell him, it ain't over yet. And he's just like, you're going to be laying at the hands of L.A. Knight. And I'm like, yeah, yeah like, again, maybe, the, hopefully their second match is better. Hopefully, if they're going to have more than two, it better be worth it. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I think the two of these guys can have awesome matches. It's L.A. Knight, which I know is really good, and Grayson Waller, who I'm a huge fan of right now, especially with his character. But hopefully he'll be able to, they'll be able to make this next match work better because this needed like a spice up because it was missing something, big time. Mm-hmm. So we got footage of Dakota looking for Wendy Chu. So we found out that her and Wendy are a tag team. Yeah, we Again, got the we got the brackets out yeah. before the show. Wendy did her whole that she got confirmation that they were a team because according to what Wendy said, she talked to the voice in Dakota's head pretty much, yeah. which is weird as fuck, but pretty fucking funny that that's a thing. Which we found out also who Amari Miller's tag partner was, why her and Wendy Chu weren't a tag team, which I wish that was the tag team, but. So, again, Wendy, really happy and sleepy and kind of goofy, but I like her. She's really good. And Dakota, who we know is really good and has this weird talking to herself gimmick right now. Yeah, and they're against uh, Indian Persian. <laughs> and I genuinely believe that Wendy and Dakota are going to beat Indian Persia with what happens later. Do you think that's going to happen? I think they do. I think they start the dysfunction between... Hmm. Indian Persia. Be interesting. So, Vic and Wade hyped the, the women's Dusty Classic. We got fucking Toxic Attraction making their way down. They ended up having their own Toxic Lounge. Oh, boy. Just not, still not, just not feeling Toxic Attraction. Just not doing it. Still doesn't happen. The fact that you have them walk out there and just have to look fucking uber attractive and the camera just keeps panning over to them every fucking 20 seconds. Like, it, it just... Ugh, God, I freaking hated it. But 
So we saw footage of Korra and Raquel. They're still getting like meshing together as a team. They did. Uh, they did. What the heck was it called? It was they like, just wrote a zip line down together. Pretty yeah, they much, were like zip lining, and they were doing like an uh, obstacle course kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. So Raquel was terrified of heights, but then she just says. When in reality, she is the height. Yeah, so that got Raquel to just suck it up and do it, and she actually pretty much conquered her fear of heights. She went down the zip line with Cora. Again, going to be an interesting team, so interested to see what happens here. Uh, Mackenzie Mitchell ended up showing up in the Toxic Lounge, was talking to Mandy, JC, and Gigi, they they cracked jokes at Cora and Raquel where they were like, "What's they What are they gonna do next? Go to the skate park together, or and go like, to a dirt or a motorcycle rally?" I'm like, "Oh, oh no! Oh no! That sounds fun!" <laughs> How dare the two people that are trying to meld together as a tag team go out and do something that'll help them meld together as a tag team? Oh no! Not something fun! Oh, no! It was so stupid. Like, I hated that. It just was so dumb. But our first round match was Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, Amari Miller, and her tag team partner, Lash Legend. So, so that's who Amari Miller dedicated her attention to, being her tag partner. So, I need to say a few things before I start here. And there... <laughs> I'm going to warn you guys ahead of time. They're not going to be necessarily fair. They're not going to be fair. They're not going to be nice. So, so just, just be warned. First of all, I have nothing against the choice of Amari picking Lash Legend. No. No. If that's who your tag team partner, if that's who you want your tag team partner to be, go for it. Whatever. <laughs> But, you've been in this three-way storyline this whole fucking month with Wendy, Tiffany, and yourself. (laughs) Why? In the blue hell, (laughs) why would you choose Lash Legend over over Tiffany Stratton? Why? Why? It really didn't make any sense, honestly. Storyline-wise, it makes no fucking Tiffany Stratton was going to take you on a fucking shopping date and you choose Lash Legend. We've never even seen those two interact. I think they did on 205 Live before it went away. Again! They had a match. Nobody saw them interact! (laughs) But anyway, freaking... But the other point I wanted to make... Is that I warned you. I warned you. I was like, as soon as I saw the bracket, I went back. I purposely went back and watched the clips of Lash Legends matches that she had on 205 Live. And I'm sorry. She's awful. She's awful. She's literally a talk show host. A fucking Wendy Williams knockoff as far as I'm concerned. That's all she is at this point. Because even I... Was not impressed. I, and I I'm, I hate to bash the woman. I do. Because I, I could tell that she's trying. But this ain't 
she's gonna have to do more than like, just from the highlights I saw when she was on two hundred five live and had a few matches there. She's af- like she's got an athletic background. Like she can do like she's like seems like she's got like a gymnastic esque background as well. So she can like move around the ring a little bit. And she's fucking gigantic. That's she's what I'm a saying. Huge woman. She's tall as shit. Like she looks like she could be a threat. She's got to be at least like six two. She's tall. Like she's built big. Like she's a strong ass looking woman. But she can't wrestle for shit. Yeah, like she has. She, I tried. I, I tried comp- so hard because you told me that she wasn't good, and I tried to just give her the chance. I sat and watched the match and just had zero fucking care and that the, she was in the there. The thing is, I'm pretty sure this is her her first match on NXT. Which Actually, I, yes. Which I get that she like may have some nerves. Yes. But you would think for your first match on NXT, you would want to show a little bit of offense. Right. She did nothing. She did a pump kick, which I can admit looked at, le- at least a little decent. But everyone and their fucking mother does pump kicks nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, another person doing a pump kick. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so anyway. And then it doesn't even help because she's the one that got the fucking pin anyway. <laughs> so... Of course, EO and Kaylee Ray got the win. There was no way in hell they were losing this. Yeah. But, again, Lash Legend just didn't impress. Which, I like Amari Miller, I, but she's I wanna just... Make, I want to make a, a quick comment about the bracket placement. Mm-hmm. NXT, could you have made it just a little bit <laughs> less obvious on who, on who gonna was going to win? Yeah. Like, you have, in this match, you have EO and Kaylee Ray versus Lash Legend and Amari Miller. I wonder who's going to win that one. And then the next match in the uh, bracket that we had tonight, spoiler, we had Caden and Casey versus Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. Mm-hmm. I wonder who's going to win that one. Yeah, right. And then next week, we have the the one that I actually don't think is going to be obvious, which I think it's going to be a swerve, which is Wendy and Dakota versus Indy and Persia. I think... Yeah. I personally think that Wendy and Dakota are going to win. I mean, now after seeing what happened on this show, I can see it. I can definitely see them winning. And then the other one is Cora and Raquel versus Yulisa and fucking Valentina. Yeah. I wonder who's going to win. I wonder who's going to win that one. Exactly. Like, you couldn't have put, like, uh, Io and Kaylee Ray versus Caden and Casey. I mean, at least give one of these like throwaway teams, at least a like a you guarantee them a chance to go on. Mm-hmm. It's like just... have Ivy and Tatum face Lash and fucking Amari. Give Ivy and fucking Tatum that win. Yeah, especially since they just started. Like, no team. offense to Caden and Casey, mm-hmm. but they're they're dancing. <laughs> yeah, they're the quote they're, unquote they're TikTok tag team. Yep, the quadruple fucking T's. T to the fourth. <laughs> T four. Like, because remember they came out with the with the the smoke gun too. Yeah, which they're, is bizarre. they're they're like the rave team. Yeah, but anyway, Eo and Kaylee Ray again. I like both of them. There was that weird moment in this match though, where with Eo, remember, 
where she went for the springboard, and I couldn't tell if she slipped trying to go for the drop kick, or, like, or if she Lash just, like, Legend was, like, too close. And she just stopped herself. Like, it was so bizarre, like, what happened there. I couldn't tell at all. And that's the thing, too. If, like, it was obvious that they were giving Lash Legend a lot of the in-ring in time to, like, hone her skills and, like... Like, flesh her out and stuff. She honestly did but she more did, selling in the match yeah, than she, she did anything she else. she just got the shit kicked out of her and did nothing but a pump kick. Like, if you're in the ring for 95% of the time, you would think you would try to do some more offense. I mean, she did hit the fallaway slam at one point, but, and again, did the kip up. But that wasn't really anything. Like, that was the only everyone two Everyone and their mother did. does. She did two moves that everyone and their mother does nowadays. <laughs> everyone does a fucking fall away slam and does a kip up. And everyone does a pump kick. <laughs> like, at this point, it's kind of, it's not impressive. Like, the the, the pump kick was decent, all right. Mm-hmm. And the fucking, the kip up is, like, impressive for a woman her size. Yeah. But overall, she's not good at her current Yeah, state. I just wasn't feeling her at all. Like... Again, seeing the stuff from her when 205 Live was still a thing, but now NXT level up, like, I saw stuff from her and I'm like, okay, well, at least she's actually a wrestler, you know, from all we've seen from her, she's just a talk show host. Yeah. But she needs more work. She needs a lot of work. Yeah. Big time. So, EO and Kaylee Ray got the win. They're celebrating, of course, Toxic Attraction had to taunt the two of them. We had the winner of that got to is gonna face Ivy Nile, Tatum Paxley, and Caden and Casey, whoever won that match. So we go to Mackenzie Mitchell backstage with Dante Chen, who had a few words for Duke Hudson. Talking about how Duke took him out when he came back and again, we've seen all this stuff with Dante Chen. So now this was the part where I'm saying, Okay, so I wasn't feeling Dante Chen from the beginning. Cause again, the debut match he had. What did he do? Absolutely fuck all, but got one move in and won the match. That was it. So, now's the time for him to show out and actually look good. Right? So, again, he's talking about that Duke's going to have a hard time sweeping Persia Parada off her feet when he doesn't have any legs to stand on. Okay. Fine. This was the fucking part. So we went to a commercial. We came back and we got the Brooks Jensen, Josh Briggs stuff. Listen, I got a few laughs out of some of it, but this shit on NXT was fucking cringy. Yeah. uh, It was funny a couple points in this first one, but overall, this first one is cringy. And spoiler alert, they did it three other times during the night. This, and a lot of it was cringy. Like, this whole, like, this, whatever they did on this show here, all of it was fucking cringy. Yeah, the the whole, like, majorly cringy. Like, if you've listened to our show, we've gotten at least laughs out of the Brooks Jensen, uh, Caden Carter, Casey Catanzaro, Josh Briggs stuff, you know. We've gotten a laugh out of it. This, I maybe got, like, a laugh out of the entire thing. Like, so Josh Briggs throws it out there that he's going to help Brooks Jensen get on a dating site by filming a video. And fucking Brooks Jensen is like 
so fucking cringy in this entire shit. Just throwing out these random fucking like 70s and 80s fucking like one-liners to try to pick up women. I think the funniest thing the in all of the segments is where he goes, Hi, I'm Josh Briggs. <laughs> He called him his tag team partner. He called himself that's, his tag partner. That's the only funny thing the entire in any of the segments. All the other segments were just cringe. Yeah, which was which. If we're gonna jump to the end of that right now, like they did this like what three four times. Yeah, they said. did it three other times after this one. Yeah, so four times total, and it all just results in them trying to film a video when the bartender that was at the bar they were at last week mm-hmm. just walks in, says, "Hey." Let me take a picture of you. Takes a picture of Jensen and goes, I'll go set up your profile and walks off. So all of that fucking stupid cringe shit just for the bartender woman to walk in there, snap a picture and go, I'll go set it up. See you later. Why? Come on. It wasn't worth that. Like if it's going to be this long drawn out thing, you could have at least made it and all funny. just for all just for briggs to go hey your embarrassment is my entertainment like come on man you're supposed to help your buddy not leave him fucking hanging like that come yeah. on but anyway we got dante chen duke hudson and resulting in dante chen taking a loss so dante chen is now another one that got a hype package Two different hype packages. Not only a hype package, a hype package to begin, but also also a sympathy package. Yes. They made him a sympathy package to gain sympathy for him. Yes. They gave him a backstory. They gave him everything. <coughs> they gave him a motive. They gave him everything under the sun. No pun intended. They just gave him everything under the sun, and they were just like... Take a loss to Duke You can't Hudson. beat Duke Hudson. Just sucks why do we keep doing this why do we keep doing this why are we still having people get a hype package that's like you want to get invested in this guy we're bringing him in we're even giving you a reason to get invested in him take that loss that's like, like what that's like if AEW every time Wardlow had a fucking jobber match they yeah. were just like here's this hype package to hype up who he's going to face right <laughs> like come on it's like a waste why hype somebody up if you're not going to even fucking do anything with them? If they're just going to go out there and job out to people, especially fucking Duke Hudson, who I'm not fucking a fan of at all. And especially since Dante Chen has been so start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Yeah. His entire, like, ever since he's got here, he had his match, got injured, came back, got beat up by Duke Hudson, disappeared for three weeks, came back, now lost. <laughs> <laughs> What is the point? If that doesn't tell you they have zero fucking idea of even wanting to use him, that says a lot. Like, what the fuck? Come on. But I'm going to jump to the Duke Hudson stuff. So Duke's backstage, because I wanted to get to this. So this is why we think this is going to happen here with Indy and Persia. So Duke's backstage, Persia ended up coming in, and Duke ended up pretty much making out with Persia. Violently. Yeah. (laughs) For Indy to walk in, get disgusted by it, Persia got all, like, embarrassed. She walked out of the room. I don't think she was embarrassed. I think she was just, like, 
flustered. Just nope, bye. She she's, just left. She's just like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> so she just left. Indy pretty much said it was gross, and then Duke looks at Indy and goes, "Ew." He goes, "You weren't saying that a long time ago." She's like, "He's like, you never used to say that at all." And she goes, "That was a long time ago." And he goes, "It doesn't have to be anymore." And then as soon as they turn around. Dexter Loomis is standing next to the lockers, just puts his head down, and just absolutely just heartbroken, just walks away with them just disappear with them leaving, and I'm just like, oh, god damn it. I'm like, so Dexter's gonna have to deal with Duke Hudson now. This is fucking sad. I don't want Dexter to be trapped with Duke Hudson, of all fucking people. We're about to get... It's it's obvious that fucking stand to deliver. It's gonna be Duke and Persia versus Indian Dex. Pretty much, and you know how I feel about when it comes to Duke Hudson. Not fucking crazy to see Duke Hudson at all. He's just I wasn't crazy for him when he was what the hell's his name when he was oh Brendan Vink. Brendan Vink yeah wasn't crazy for him at all. He just I don't know. There's just. No redeeming qualities when it comes to Duke Hudson. And, again, I've talked with Bishop about Persia. Like, she'd be good solo. Yeah. Like, I feel like she'd be good solo, but I'm enjoying her and Indy as a tag team more than I'm enjoying, you know, watching the thought of them break up. Yeah, it's it's not necessary to break up the tag team. It's really not. Just for this, like, weird love square like couple feud thing it's it's freaking weird like i just again i'm not really fully invested into it i like dexter loomis but i don't like the fact that everything he does now has to involve indy everything he seems like he does now in nxt they just have the fucking free route to just take it and go yeah it's all indy it's all about indy every time like yeah come on let's come up with something different here like let's not have to just immediately go well they're married married with air quotes you know let's just stick them together because dexter's there like and the thing is with dexter is he's this like he's in this weird position in nxt where he just doesn't fit he doesn't fit with the current scheme of nxt but i don't think he fits on the main roster either the thing that concerns me is the fact that i think even on the main roster, I don't think he fits. Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it is either. I really don't think they fit. To, I don't think he's gonna work on the main roster. Yeah, he won't. They'll make him. They'll keep this character. He's gonna be like this creepy fucking dude that's always around, and nobody's gonna get him. As nobody's much as everyone understands, as much him. as everyone likes him, I feel like he'd be twenty four seven title, and that'd be fucking. No, I don't think. I don't think he'll be that low, but he'll he'll just be like. He'll just be, like, placed oh, in random things to just, like... Come on, you can't tell me that the freaking writers backstage wouldn't look at freaking Dexter Loomis and go 24-7 title and have R-Truth trying to communicate to him going, Do you talk at all? I'd be like, you can't tell me they wouldn't look at it and see that. And that would suck. Like, immediately suck. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I'm surprised he wasn't let go. Yeah, it, it's... Honestly, if it came sooner, like, at any time soon, which I hope it doesn't, but I have a feeling that if it did, I think Dexter Loomis would be gone, and that sucks. 
But next we got Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes, who, again, came out to cut a promo. So, we, I said as soon as they came out, I was like, you know NXT, you know they don't have to, you don't have to have Carmelo Hayes come out every week if he's just going to talk. Exactly. Like, it's fucking weird. Like, he just, he does the same thing with, like, most main roster champions do. They're just on the show sometimes to just come out and talk. And I don't get why. Like... If he's not in a match, you don't have to keep him on the TV every freaking week. Yeah. If he's just coming out here to go, hey, I beat Cameron Grimes, who's next? You see who it is, and that's it, one week. And And then you don't have to go to the next week where it's like, I got a face-to-face with, as he gets interrupted by Pete Dunne, because after last week where he got, where Pete Dunne is pretty much the next challenger. Yeah, after last week it was super obvious who the next challenger was, so he doesn't have to come out and be like, who's my next challenger? Exactly. There's times when you should be on the show to cut a promo, and there's times when you don't need to be on the show to cut a promo. Every week, especially. And like I've said before, I just do not connect with Carmelo Hayes when he's on the mic. I just don't connect. I'm starting to see what you, what about him that you don't like when it comes to him cutting promos. I've seen a lot of people on social media say that he sounds natural, and I just don't see it. I don't see how he sounds natural. It sounds like he's forcing, he's forcing his brain to fucking remember the promo inside of his head and just fucking, he speaks at one word at a time, but not like robotic. Not robotic like Charlotte, but like, he has like a a natural voice. Yeah. But he sound he talks at one at one word at a time and speaks the word words out slowly so everyone can understand. Well, and you like, know who doesn't fucking also doesn't help that situation. It's yeah, Trick, trick. All he does is yeah, yeah, Trick, yeah, Mellow, yeah, hey, champion, Mellow, Mellow. Like, Tell him, Mellow. Like he doesn't make a promo better. Just being a hype guy. I'm sorry. I don't like Trick Williams when he wrestles. I don't like Trick Williams because he's a fucking hype man. Like, Carmelo doesn't need Trick Williams to fucking be like a convincing promo. But I'm seeing what it is about Melo's promos because they just... I I don't really know what it is. There's something just not connecting with his promos because it just sounds almost sometimes i guess you could say the same yeah with this promo he he had to have said that when he shoots he don't miss at least seven times right in the promo it just seems like he has a safe route to go to where it's just like i i i I shoot and i don't miss and i'm like is that just your favorite go-to thing like a champion we get it you are the a champion like you could call yourself that and that's fine but like can you come up with some other stuff that just doesn't resort to you going, I don't miss, and that's all it's going to be kind of thing. Like, come on. like. But then Cameron Grimes came out and attacked both of them. And then we go to a commercial, and we come back, and we get Trick Williams and Cameron Grimes. So, what in the absolute hell? Listen, I love Cameron Grimes. But after him losing... What the hell 
actually warrants him another title match at this point. Like, are they just going to use the fuck, the fucking fact that Trick Williams got involved so many times and they're like, oh, well, that warrants another title match. But in all technicalities, Trick got thrown out. And in all technicalities, Carmelo beat him clean. Yeah. So, it doesn't really warrant a rematch. At this point, Cameron Grimes needs to earn another title match. Yeah. Just because he beat Trick Williams, which he did in this one here... Just because he beat Trick Williams doesn't mean championship opportunity. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure a triple threat match between Carmelo Hayes, Pete Dunne, and Cameron Grimes is going to be a fantastic match. Yeah. But it you can't... There's nothing you could tell me that tells me that Cameron Grimes deserves another title match. He lost yeah. clean. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could use the whole thing that Trick got involved, but the ref threw Trick out again. Yeah. So it didn't matter in the end. It's the same thing that happened on, I believe it was, it was on Elimination Chamber with Ray and Dom. Yeah. He threw Dom out and Miz had the advantage to take it, like all the chance to take advantage of Dom getting thrown out to beat Ray, but he still lost to Ray. Like, it's one of those situations. But Grimes stands tall after getting the win. We got some replays of it. Grimes looks at Hayes. And then Hayes helped Trick to the back. And that was it. Then we got more of the Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen stuff, which we talked about. We got Tommaso Ciampa backstage. Pretty much working out. Braun Breaker comes in. Braun thanked him for helping him get rid of Ziggler last week. Says he'll be out there to watch. Says he will be out there to watch tonight's match which again don't know how that works doing to the fact that Ziggler said he was barred from ringside so how the fuck's he gonna be out there to watch the match which he wasn't <laughs> yeah so already discombobulated promo here so Champa pretty much has just kind of told him hey I'm gonna have the re we're, we're, I'm gonna have my rematch that's it like I'm gonna go against you and that's it and braun was all for it so Cool. So next was the another the hype promo of the debut of Nikita Lyons. So she's having her debut, and she went up against Kayla Inlay. Mm -hmm. I was impressed. I will say that she she looked really good. She still has to tighten it up a little bit. Yeah, so like, like she 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 seemed like she was missing timing in a few spots. Yeah, there was some there was a few spots that she was like slightly out of place mm -hmm. or like she was like like you said her her screws weren't tightened yeah. at this point. She she looked good. I'll give her that. She looked really good. She just has to get her timing now cuz she's just she again her timing seemed a little off in spots. Yeah. So, but I was I was actually really impressed. Yeah, but I have to say this. Twitter, you thirsty motherfuckers. Yeah, y'all need to chill. You like, guys need it. to chill. I get it. Everyone and their mother loves a thick woman nowadays, but oh my god, you guys need to chill the hell out. Right? <laughs> I saw somebody took a, like, had the still image of her doing the split. The pin? Yeah, with the pin, and had the Spongebob meme of him sitting back with the shadow over top of him, and I'm like, <laughs> come on, guys. You, Listen. You know how many people I saw post that picture or like 
another picture, like a still picture of Ugh. Nikita Lyons on NXT and be like, all right, fine, I'll watch NXT 2.0. I saw somebody who literally had a, a basketball player laying down flat on their back going, waiting for Nikita Lyons to pin me. And I'm like, come <laughs> on, you guys. You need to chill. All right? I get it. It's Tuesday. Listen. It's the only time Thirsty comes into play during the week is Thursdays. Yeah. Like, come on. Chill it out a little bit. Keep your hormones to yourself. Listen, she is a gorgeous woman. An absolutely fucking stunning woman. But, but y'all need to chill big time. Like, we get it, but tone it down. Yes. Holy shit. We had next... Also, which we missed here, we had the Andre Chase stuff, where he pretty much kicked people, kicked the guy out of his classroom, which you seem to fucking love Andre Chase so much. Yeah, he, I don't know he why. He kicked the guy out of his classroom because he was saying that the the lesson for today was about intestinal fortitude, mm-hmm. which he said that Von Wagner and Robert Stone have none of, and the guy in the classroom goes. What are you going to do when you face Von Wagner? And then Andre Chase was like, yeah, what do you mean? What am I going to do when I face Von Wagner? I'm going to give him an Andre Chase sized ass whooping. Now get the fuck out of my classroom. (laughs) Listen, this is awful because we even got the fucking, the confirmation that we're getting Andre Chase and Von Wagner next week. Because we even got the Von Wagner promo, which I'm not talking about at all. Because Von Wagner is fucking awful. That is so all I'm leaving it at. Yes. Robert Stone does not help it. At all. So, the fact that we're getting this match, probably going to be the least fucking exciting match I'm ever going to watch in my life. Because I fucking cannot stand Von Wagner. And Chase, Andre Chase cannot fucking save that. Yeah, not at all. No. So, good luck to them for this shit. We got the Creed Brothers was next. Coming out to celebrate their victory by winning the Dusty Cup. They get cut off by Imperium, who immediately go on the attack. And then, they literally, Imperium, Eichner, and Bartel, and the Creeds literally brawl out of the ring... And leave Malcolm Bivens in there with Walter. Or Gunta. Sorry. Gunta. Gunta. Who proceeds to grab Malcolm Bivens by the throat and backed him into the corner. And I'm like, you guys are awful. Why do you leave Malcolm Bivens like that? Why you do him like that? That is fucked up. But just as he goes to chop the ever-living shit out of Malcolm Bivens, Solo Sokoa comes out, drops Gunther with the with the super kick. Gunther. Drops him with the super kick. We get Malcolm Bivens with his little Becky Lynch kind of style thing with the uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thanks as he's basically Thanks. fucking dripping piss out of his fucking right? britches. Again, we got the confirmation that we're getting that match next week. Holy shit. We got the street champion versus the ring general. It's going to be stiff as shit. So... Can't wait for that one. We got Ziggler backstage warming up. We got Mackenzie Mitchell with Joe Gacy and Harland. This, again, so Joe Gacy's facing... No, is it Harland? Harland's facing 
Draco Anthony next week. So again, Draco Anthony's gonna die. Yeah. He's gonna die. The only thing I can think that would happen after this is Odyssey Jones shows up to chase off Gacy and Harland, and that's probably about it. That's the gist of what I'm getting here. Potentially. The only thing I can see happening after that is Draco and Odyssey become a tag team. Honestly, if it gives fucking Draco Anthony something to fucking do. I mean, Odyssey Jones, everyone seems to love Odyssey Jones. So, if he can get Draco Anthony over like a motherfucker with his freaking personality, and they become a tag team, if they can get over as a team, that'd be awesome. That throws another tag team in the tag division, which, all four, any time. So, we got the the other other first-round match. Ivy Nile, Tatum Paxley, Casey Catanzaro, and Caden Carter. So, again, this was better. Yeah, Honestly, because even with the EO and Kaylee Ray match, I wasn't really feeling it at all. I don't know what it was. It was just incredibly, honestly, sloppy in so many places. There was a bunch of spots where it was sloppy, and and then just, it, you even said it, you were just like, thank God that's over. Yeah, and it wasn't just because of Lash Legend. Yeah, it was... It Even EO and uh, <coughs> uh, Kaylee Ray couldn't help the fact that the match just wasn't wasn't doing it. Yeah, no, at all. But this one was decent. This one was pretty good. Yeah. This one wasn't bad. I like Casey and Caden together as a tag team. I'm weird. I'm still bizarred out that they're the TikTok tag team, so now they're just... They ever probably got called up. Them and Naomi would probably form a group. Which, eh, okay. Interesting, I guess. But, again, I love Casey and Caden. Been really into Ivy Nile. I don't know shit about Tatum Paxley at all. Like, at all. This is the first time we've seen Tatum Paxley. And I'm, I'm legitimately, when I say this, I'm saying it. Quite possibly, legitly, I don't think she did anything in that match. I don't think she did either. I think she was in that... I think she was only in this fucking tag team match to take the brunt of the offense and get pinned. And luckily she took the pin, too, because I could not see them pinning Ivy. Yeah, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have is right, but... Casey and Caden won with the neckbreaker 450. We went to replays, and then we came back, and Ivy put the dragon sleeper... That she has now. On Tatum Paxley. Roderick Strong came out to pretty much calm her down. Get her away. Ivy went to go kill her again. And then Roderick Strong just goes, no, 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 that's enough. That's enough. And then she just let her go down and walked away. So, again, that's probably going to now be a feud. I don't know about a feud, but it'll probably be a match. At some point, yeah. So, ah, so that was what it was. So, all night we kept hearing that during Ziggler and Champa that this was one of these with they had what was the word they were they, saying the, they they kept saying that Ziggler and Champa would have serious NXT championship implications in the match. So come to find out apparently that this match was a f- number one contender match. Which my question is if it was a number one contenders match just fucking say it's a number one contenders match. Don't have the commentary just fucking circle around the fucking subject. Right. And be, oh, this match has serious NXT championship 
implications to it. Right? Just say, the winner of this fights Braun Breaker. Right? Like, they fucking toyed around that so much that they never mentioned it. Like, they never talked about it. They just kept saying, there's big implications on this match. And again, I kept saying all night, what are the fucking big implications here? Technically, you've already got Ziggler is your number one contender. You've already said, Ziggler's already said, I'm coming for Braun Breaker. Yeah. So at that point, Champa's got to wait again. But this was like, you had to freaking solidify that Ziggler was the number one contender. Which is weird why you had to do that. If now we find out it was a number one contenders match. You didn't really need to solidify that Ziggler was going to be the number one contender. He already said he was at that time. So I mean, I mean, in wrestling, you really shouldn't just be able to fucking, like, say you're the number one contender. So, I get ha- the point of having the match. I just don't get the point of, like, circling around the point of the match. Mm. Like, you couldn't have just straight up said... Like, they, even when they announced the match, they just announced it as a one-on-one match. Yeah. You couldn't have announced it as... Dolph Ziggler versus Tommaso Ciampa, mm-hmm. winner faces Braun Breaker at fucking Stand and Deliver. Mm-hmm. Is it that hard? Apparently it was because they had to fucking keep just like taking off the topic of it being a number one contenders match because apparently that's something we can't say immediately right off the bat. Like, yeah, I guess we can't say number one contenders match anymore. Right? Just... But this match... Lived up to being fucking fantastic as I thought yeah, it was gonna be. This match was incredible. We know Dolph Ziggler is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. We know how fucking awesome Tommaso Ciampa is. The two of them mesh together so well, it's insane. It was nuts. Because even then, you had so many different styles mesh in that match. Champa's like a brawler with Ziggler being a technician and it was just so good. I fucking just love this match so much. It lived up to the hype that I wanted it to be. With the ending just I honestly thought being top notch to make it even better. So Ziggler ends up getting the win with help from Robert Rude who was dressed as a camera guy. Clocks Champa with the camera, and Ziggler gets the three. So now, not only is Dolph Ziggler in NXT for a little bit, Robert Roode is back in NXT for a little bit. Holla fucking Luya. Can we see some old fucking Robert Roode? Not fucking whatever the hell we saw when he came up on the main roster. Yeah, hopefully this revitalizes fucking Robert Roode. And it makes fucking people in the back realize that Robert Roode is actually fucking useful. Yes, Robert Roode is a fucking fantastic wrestler as well. Guy should not have been thrown up on the main roster and absolutely just done fuck all with. Yeah. You had to turn him babyface because everyone sings his theme song. How dare you sing the fucking Heels theme song? What? Like, so stupid. So dumb. Like, come on. And Let's do better here. That would be like, oh, he won the United States Championship and he's been multiple time tag team championships. And I'm like, I, that's, 
he could have been so much more. He yeah. could be so much more still. Mm-hmm. But Dirty Dogs got the jump on Champa. Braun Breaker made the save. They got ended all out in an all-out brawl as the show went off the air. Just fucking perfect. We got a tag match next week, too, now. So, mm-hmm. can't wait to see that shit. That's going to be fucking nuts. Like, to see, again, I'm so happy that Robert Roode is back in NXT. Mm-hmm. Just to see him, like, again, like we, like you just said, hopefully this revitalizes him. Hopefully this helps him a lot. Yeah, like, if there's, if there's any uh, implication of how or what fucking Robert Roode's standing in WWE is, look at how long he lasted in this year's Royal Rumble. Yeah. He lasted 30 seconds, if that. Yeah, that fucking sucks. He was he was the first person eliminated and was made to look like a fucking joke. Yeah. Just... Robert Roode. So, should we talk? We're going to talk about this. Yeah. Since let's... we just got this, it's breaking. It's kind of, I guess you'd call breaking news. I'm, I'm sure everyone has seen it by now. Yeah. But we, we might as well bring it up. So... While we're on the topic of WWE. Yeah, it was WWE-esque related, so... And even though it's NXT, it's WWE-esque related. We might as well bring it up now. It's either that or wait until Saturday, and that's too long to wait for. Yeah. So, it was just found out that Cesaro's contract has expired. And he's not re-signing. Well, yeah. Which... He's not re-signing, so he is leaving. That blows my mind but again it doesn't at the same time apparently they were trying to uh work out a new contract and they couldn't uh reach an agreement yeah at this point it's literally it's one of those like oh shit cesaro's leaving but then you realize and go oh shit cesaro's leaving like cesaro a guy who has literally for years been mid-card to nothing is now and only had literally one world title match ever and that was the one with Roman which was fantastic because he worked through a fucking injury at the time just now he gets to go out and go wherever at this point and I, I cannot wait to see Claudio Castagnoli, whichever one you want to call him at the time. I don't know. He'll probably go back to Claudio again. It would make sense. Wherever that man ends up, better fucking use him right. If I'm being honest with you. He's fucking excellent. If I'm being honest with you, I know everyone's going to be like, AEW, No. No. I would rather him go somewhere else. And there's one place that I want him to go. That being? I want him to go to Impact. That would be fucking wonderful. He would fit so well in Impact. He would get the actual the actual spotlight that Cesaro actually deserves. Impact? In Impact. Impact to me would be good or MLW. Or NWA. NWA is a tough one. That's a tough one for me. I don't know how well he'd fit in NWA. Cesaro, when I look at Cesaro... And I look at NWA, I look at NWA and I still get old school vibes when I look at it. It still feels like the old school show that they had. And I don't look at Cesaro and think old school, really, too much. I feel like he'd fit better 
being in MLW where there's so many fucking styles there, you know, it would have it would help their open weight championship scene if they fucking do Cesaro, if they do Claudio Castagnoli right, they can have him face Alex Kane. You could fucking get him to a world title match. Could you imagine him and fucking Hammerstone? But yeah. Like, that would be fucking outstanding. And also, imagine him in Impact. Imagine yeah. starting him off in the X Division. And <sighs> having him in match... Good have him Lord. with matches against, like, Ace Austin. Uh, and actually, uh, now, now thinking about it, him going to Impact is perfect. Because them losing... Josh Alexander. That's literally. That is a that's just, perfect that's replacement. Just, that's just a like one for one replacement. Exactly. Wow. I did not. I just thought of that one. That is a perfect fucking idea. Like he doesn't have to go indies. He doesn't have to go AEW. Like Impact is a perfect place, especially after losing somebody as fucking awesome as Josh Alexander. You pretty much just replace him with somebody who's pretty much the same fucking thing. If I'm being honest with you, Cesaro, like, he sort of fits in AEW. Sort of. I mean, he would. He's a fucking indie guy up the wazoo. In all honesty, I can only see him doing one thing, and that relies on one other person. Who? That, if, the only thing I see Cesaro doing in AEW is... Reuniting the tag team with Chris Hero, but then again, does Chris Hero? But that rely on Chris Hero coming back to wrestle. Yeah, and that would be bizarre because I don't know if he's actually even still wrestling. I can't give you confirmation. I know he's he still does wrestling. His, he does his wrestling school. I know he was at the the Indie Hall of Fame too. Yeah. He was the one who inducted Tracy Smothers at that time. But I I don't know if he's still doing the wrestling. So that would fucking if Kings of Pro Wrestling is actually a thing, would would work there. Like if Cesaro goes to AEW, I just don't, I don't, I just don't. Well, see I him saw doing I saw somebody much. talking about it, and of course, and I didn't fucking immediately think that that was what was going on that he was leaving. Somebody talked about seeing Keith Lee and Cesaro in a one on one match, and I'm like, yeah, I want to see that. But like but again, it has to have meaning. Yeah, what does Cesaro do in AEW other than that? Like, Cesaro really doesn't like meld well with a lot of stuff that AEW's doing. Yeah, like like you said, sure, he's an indie darling. Yeah, he's, he was in ROH and every other fucking yeah indie promotion, CZW and all this stuff. Like, but like I don't I don't see him in his current like he's. He's got to be like 40. He's up there, I'm pretty sure. So I don't see him in his current state being able to just walk into AEW and have what he does yeah, be important. Yeah, like he... Now, after you talked about Impact, and I think with Josh Alexander gone, that's a perfect fucking, like, even trade, If as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You lost Josh Alexander, you pick up somebody who's just about the same in... Claudio Castagnoli. However, that relies on Impact doing something. Yeah, and that's the one fucking thing they need to learn to do. Listen, I get they sign people. They do sign people. But they don't fucking take advantage of of people to sign, ever. They always wait until the last minute, and then it's like, 
oh, well, that's not somebody that was involved that you could fucking sign. It's always just somebody else. Yeah. Like, like I, I know he has a YouTube channel now, but you're telling me Impact didn't have any interest in, like, a Bo Dallas? <clears throat> he would have fit actually fine there. Not gonna lie. It would have fit fine there. Yeah. Even if you wanted to take Curtis Axel, you could have put them both on Impact. You could have had them in the tag division when they need fucking tag teams as well. They brought in fucking Heath Slater. Yeah. And him and Rhino went right back to being a tag team. Yeah. Like, come on. Impact was the place for me, like, that I always believed, like, lately, that if these people that were mid-card to jobber, like, kind of section could go there and feel better, like, more important. Yeah, it, it gives them the spotlight that they deserve. Yeah. And Cesaro, I saw this question on uh, social media before we uh, came back on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was The question was, is Cesaro the greatest wrestler to never win the WWE Championship or a World Championship in general? And you have to think about the the category of wrestler or like the the other wrestlers within that category yeah there's a lot of people in that category mr perfect jake the snake roddy roddy piper Piper, yeah greg valentine the the list goes on Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people it you can make the argument that cesaro is the greatest one of the greatest wrestlers in history never to win a world championship yeah it sucks, like, but I don't think he's the greatest yeah, he's, to ever not touch a title. I don't think he's the greatest. Yeah. He's one of the one greatest. One of, yeah, because he's fucking fantastic. And the fact that the man hasn't, when every when he was over as a motherfucker, and WWE didn't capitalize on that, still boggles my mind that it had to wait so fucking long that it had to be in the midst of a fucking Roman Reigns fucking mega fucking moment where he's the tribal chief and an unstoppable fucking world champion at the time. That was the time you look at it and go, let's put Cesaro in a world title scene, you know? Like, fucking... It should never have been that fucking situation to where Cesaro had to wait that long to get near a world title. If I'm being honest That's with a you, problem. Cesaro should have been one of the first people to, won, to win the universal title. That would have been fine, honestly. I would have never been against that. That would have been fucking perfect. Because... Cesaro should have been the one to take it off of Kevin Owens. The timeline should have went... If we're not breaking timeline... Or we will be breaking... This is fantasy booking. Sorry, Bishop. <laughs> Balor would have won, got injured. They would have had the fatal four-way. Kevin would win. Mm-hmm. Kevin would not lose to Goldberg. Yeah, that was... I'm sorry. Listen. Kevin Owens losing to Goldberg, to this day, no matter what, I, I, I there's no fucking way you can spin that yeah. to say that that made any fucking sense. Yeah, not I'm sorry. Me. I can't look at that and go, Kevin Owens is in the midst of an awesome championship reign. It's going to end to Goldberg, like... Yeah. How? Why? Like, no, it doesn't... Just because it's Goldberg doesn't equal a fucking answer. I'm sorry. Kevin Kevin would bring the Universal title in. They would have the, the match that was supposed to happen, which was Kevin and Jericho for the Universal title, not the United States title. 
Huh, two titles that start with a U, so they were like, yeah, it's the same thing, right? No. We would have Kevin and Jericho, Kevin would win, and then some down, sometime down the line it would be Kevin Owens versus Cesaro, and Cesaro would win the <coughs> United, Universal title. With him being as over as he was, there was so many opportunities that they missed out on. Yeah. And that sucks. But I hope that he fucking succeeds wherever the fuck he goes. Like, it's gonna be fucking, it's interesting as hell. Like, it's shocking that he's leaving, but it's not shocking at the same time. Yeah. Like, it's it's gonna be interesting to see what he's got next. The funny store. thing I saw, the I don't know if you heard me laugh before, but uh, somebody quote tweeted the, uh, the headline that Cesaro was leaving and he didn't re-sign his contract mm-hmm. and somebody somebody put the clip of the uh the the Detroit Pistons player Isaiah Stewart fucking breaking through everyone when he had that fight with LeBron ah. he was breaking through people and he was like Ollie when he found out Cesaro got his release <laughs> wow <laughs> Ugh, I still can't believe they haven't let him go I'm sorry. The fact that he's getting the pack treatment and just sitting there until they finally just go, all right, I think it's time. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's bullshit. It's definitely screwed up. It's bullshit as far as I'm concerned. And one other thing I want to bring up since we're on AEW mm-hmm. that I saw. Apparently, AEW, first of all, has option years on their contracts, which I'm like... <laughs> What is this? The fucking NBA? You have fucking player or team <sighs> options on your contracts? But, AEW has apparently picked up the year option on Brian Cage's contract. See, why? See, here's the thing. I think wrestlers having that kind of contract sounds interesting. But if you're not using Brian Cage... Why fucking re-sign him for that year? Brian Cage hasn't been on TV in... I, he's still on the fucking milk carton. Eight months? For Christ's sake. He's still on the milk carton. He's in the missing category still. It's him, Veer, and fucking Miro. Yes. They're literally all three of them. Have you seen these wrestlers? Have you literally. seen these men? Literally. One is still coming, one we don't know where he is, and the one walked into a fucking white abyss and has never been seen again. Yeah. He rede- he got redeemed, alright? He redeemed himself into a fucking void. Big time. Like, just, it's such an interesting idea, because it's like, oh, do you want to resign for another year? Should we resign you for three? Instead of just being like, oh, well, we gotta write you a whole new contract. At least now you have other options in there. It's like, yeah, I'm only gonna be here for another year. Yeah, I'm only gonna be here for like another three years. Be here for like five, something like that. You know, it's interesting. But if you're just YOLOing it and just going, oh, well, we're not using Brian Cage, but we'll resign him for another year. Like, that's fucking stupid. Like, I don't wanna compare. WWE not releasing Ali to Cage, Cage's year fucking option being picked up. But, like, if you're not using any of them, let them go! Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. But, let's hop into AEW here. Because we'll get on a whole tangent of Brian Cage, you know, and... Yeah. Let's not. Let's start with <laughs> the first... Like, we always start with the first match, of course. Yeah. 
we we're reading off of what website is this? This is Cage Side Seats. Seats. They have Alex Reynolds and John Silver as the Beaver Boys. Because that's what they were originally called before Dark Order. Or that's just what they call them, because I'm guessing that's a BTE fucking thing. Right. Alright. So then, they also have Butcher and Blade's real names. Yeah. Which is... Nobody calls them Andy Butcher Williams and Pepper Blade Parks. (laughs) They're Butcher and the Blade. Yes. Not... Pepper Parks. <laughs> is that Pe- Blade's real name is Pepper? Yes, I think. Pepper? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, guess what? We're YOLOing this one. We have live to find right out now. if the Blade's real name is Pepper. Oh my god, that's hysterical that you would fucking There's no way that his name is the Pepper. Or the Pepper. <laughs> the Pepper <laughs> I'm leaving that one in, just so you know. Oh, it's not even. So his character's name is Pepper Parks? No. I think that's what he originally went by at one point, too. Yeah, he did. That was one of his ring names. But why is it saying that? That was his ring name at one point. I know the I know the butcher's real name that's is what, that's what his Andy ring, Williams. That's what his ring name was originally before he became Braxton Sutter. I know that fucking the butcher's real name is actually Andy Williams. Yes. But... Why are they going... Why are they named... Have Pepper Parks? Pepper? <laughs> that's what... Again, that's what he went by originally. I'm, call, I'm calling the blade the Pepper for now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. That's, that's all it is. Thanks, Cage Side Seats. You it's now the weirdos. Butcher and the Pepper. <laughs> anyway. Butcher and the Pepper. And the Bunny. <laughs> so, the first match of the show was... The number one contender battle royal, which again, fucking stupid that we're having this because why we have rankings again. I also need to point this out. There are so many teams missing from that. Uh, Of course. What do you expect? They're probably either going to be in the casino battle royal next week or this is the gist of what we're going to see in the casino battle royal. If we're we're just going (coughs) off of... If I can name some of these names that have been that are missing in this battle royal, the acclaimed, just yeah, gone again. Just, if you if you if you check the rankings, they're number one. But why are we having a battle royal when the acclaimed's not getting a tag title match? The acclaimed is just who, who knows where they are. You could have had Bear Country in this. Yeah, you could have had fucking ah. Uh, Chaos Project. Yep. You could add Luther and Serpentico. You could have had fucking... I don't even know. I've run out of tag teams. There's just... There's other options. You could add Seidel and Dante Martin. Well, Dante's got the head Or even Dante Martin and Lee Moriarty. Something. You know? I just went with the, the, the big name teams and that's it. Like, that is it. The big name teams and that's it. The same fucking teams... That they use every time. That they love to use. I can't call 2.0 a big team. Because they're associated with Daniel Garcia. Who we'll talk about when we get there. But this had 2.0. The Ass Boys. Fucking Colton and Austin. Reynolds and Silver from Dark Order. 
Best Friends, Butcher and Blade, FTR, Private Party, Proud and Powerful, Red Dragon, Young Bucks. In a fucking battle royale. And role. also, for Dark Order, where the... Why what is... What happened to fucking Uno and Grayson? Exactly. They don't get used, ever. They are supposed to technically, in all technicalities, still have some kind of involvement in this shit. Exactly. But it's always Reynolds and Silver, because everyone loves fucking Alex, or everyone loves John Silver. Like, just imagine this battle royale. You could have had three sets of Dark Order tag teams in here. Yeah. You could have had Reynolds and, and Silver. Oh, ten and five as well? No. Alan Angels and... No, ten was in the, uh... Oh, who else? Oh, Colt? Yeah, you could have had Reynolds and Silver. You could have had Colt and Alan Angels. And you could have had Uno and Grayson. Dark Order would have had higher odds to win this match than anything. It's just... Weird that they they're they would have had a one out of six chance to win. Yeah, but instead so. they send Reynolds and Silver into this match. But again, this match wasn't really all that. Just wasn't. It's still fucking pointless because you have rankings. What's the fucking point? Yeah, it, it's pointless, and the match I don't think it connected well with people, aka us, because like. It was like a circus, almost. And I get it, because it's supposed to be... It's supposed to be because it's a battle royal, but, like... Well, it was a circus, and it it wasn't connecting well, because they were trying... I felt like they were trying too hard to make it so there was one person for each of the teams. Well, that's what it ended up final. coming down to. That's what I'm saying. They were trying too hard at that point to make it so fucking O'Reilly and fucking Matt Jackson and... John Silver. Yeah, they pretty much got rid of the teams that they Dax. didn't want in there and then kept the teams that they wanted to be in there, but made sure that it was one from each. Yeah. In a were, nutshell. They were trying too hard to get rid of the, like, irrelevant tag teams while trying to get the the final five or four or five in the match that they wanted. Yeah, but all in all, again, it was... For a battle royal, it was okay. I do like the ending, though, because it came down to Kyle O'Reilly, Matt Jackson, and John Silver, yes. I think it was. Yes. Yeah. And Kyle O'Reilly went to pick up John Silver for a move, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, no, ow, my arm, just, and he signaled to Matt Jackson, because they were working together for a mm-hmm. while, and he singled to Mac, signaled to Matt Jackson to just, just throw him out. So Matt Jackson did. He threw John Silver out, and Kyle O'Reilly came from behind and just fucking dunked Matt threw Jackson. Threw them both out, yeah. So, Red Dragon is the first team, in, and Bucks got in their face after the match, which, okay, still more teasing of Bucks and Red Dragon being a thing, but, like, what the fuck? Why would you get pissed because Kyle O'Reilly outsmarted you? Like, they literally outsmarted Matt Jackson him. got mad because Kyle O'Reilly... Uh, Used his fucking brain. Did the rules of a battle royal. Yeah, <laughs> like... But they're going face-to-face. Out came Hangman. Hangman got in a brawl with Red Dragon. The Bucks didn't even get involved. At all. He hit the, the Buck shot on Kyle. So... Hangman pulls in a chair and he does the whole Adam Cole thing, except he's like, who's ready for story time with Adam Hangman Page, baby? And I'm like, oh, okay, well. Oh, different Adam. So, I 
liked the the I liked the promo, but Bobby Fish needed to shut the fuck up. Yeah, who, whatever cameraman was like on the other side or on the outside was way too close to Bobby Fish, and his fucking microphone was picking up everything he was saying. Right, either that or Bobby just needed to shut the hell up. There's because no way Bobby was that loud. If he was that loud, that still he still needed to shut up. Because that was just no fucking point. Every time Hangman got done saying a sentence and got ready to talk again, Bobby Fish had to come up with some fucking stupid, like, little quip in there to fucking make it seem like, Oh, you're so smart. Look at you, Hangman. And I'm like, shut up, Bobby. And then when he did the fucking, the story time with Adam Page, baby thing, and fucking Bobby Fish was like, that's copyright infringement. Yeah, like, he would not shut up. We could sue you for that. Uh, again, I'm, I I can't wait to see, Paige and Cole. I really yeah. can't. But, next time can we just, tell Bobby Fish to just keep his mouth shut? Like I didn't need his little <laughs> shut quips. the fuck up. Adam Bobby. Cole was quieter. Kyle O'Reilly was quieter. Bobby Fish is like nobody else is saying anything. Maybe I should. Like <laughs> no. Like, God, but. Let's see what he said. He said he took the seat. He says, our story begins in 08 with Adam Cole's entry into the world of pro wrestling. He won world titles everywhere he went. But as he could see the writing on the wall and feel his world crumble around him, he clamored back to his old friends and came for the AEW world title. But what he didn't see is that he was drawing closer and closer to a six-foot hole in the ground and when he walked into Revolution thinking he'd leave as a world champion again, he stepped too close to his grave, the better Adam laid him in it, and the world listened to the sound of his body hitting the dirt from a freshly cocked buckshot, and that sound was boom. Quick to the fucking point, minus fucking Bobby Fish interrupting every fucking thing. Just thought it was good. I loved it. Tony Schiavone inter- interviewed Brian Danielson, where... <clears throat> he was going to have the match with Daniel Garcia next. One of the other names that he mentioned with him and Mox team together, they'd form a team and though the, he was one of the freaking names that he put out there. So, okay. He talked about how Mox said they'd have to bleed together before they fight together. So we go to a commercial, we come back, we get the entrance of MJF who absolutely just looks distraught like it was bizarre like he looked just destroyed yeah like it was bizarre to see him in that like thing but he comes out he goes he gets it he used to love cm punk too and he knows that we want to boo him pretty much He's not the most likable person in the world, but he wants an opportunity here. He says, Punk showed us a fo- the, showed the photograph that he had. And how, to him, it was just another Friday, and to MJF, it was the greatest moment in the world for him. Right? <clears throat> he knows it's easy to think he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth, but the fact of the matter is, at one point in his life, the only reason he got out of bed every day was professional wrestling. And just like us, how much we love pro wrestling, he loves pro wrestling, he loves AEW. And yes, 
That day meant everything to him. So he goes back to 07. He's 11 years old. With a litany of learning disabilities. Apparently he has severe ADD. And every day in school was hell. Because he used to get bullied. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the, he said the one thing he was good at was football. He got started as a middle linebacker. And that meant everything. Because for once he thought he'd fit in. The next day. He's walking in the hallway. His teammates walk up to him. And he's excited because for once he thinks he's going to make friends. But they look angry. They're holding rolls of quarters. And they just, he says he threw them at him as hard as possible. And told him, pick it up, Jew boy. Pick it up. Because he kept talking about that too. About how he was an ADD ridden Jewish, like Jewish boy and all that stuff like that. And I'm like... This is so bizarre to hear MJF talk about this stuff. Like, we always hear MJF come out here and he's shooting these little digs. And he's like shooting at the hip at people. And he's just out here just talking away like just, just throwing everything out there. Just opens his heart and starts throwing it all out there. He says he went home and cried and cried and stopped because he realized today was Friday. And that meant he was he got to meet his hero, CM Punk. At an autograph signing. That day meant everything. And when he went back home. He promised himself that he was going to be just like Punk. He was going to become the best in the world. A couple years later. He wants to train to be a wrestler. He's studying tape. Until his eyes bled. And practicing promos until his voice is hoarse. All because he wants to be just like Punk. Fast up to 2014. January. Punk leaves. Which we all know about. The punk leaving shit. Again. He says he leaves him and leaves all of us. And that's when he realized. If the best in the world can't do it. What chance does some five foot nothing Jew boy have. ADD ridden Jew boy have. So he went to school. Buried his dreams until he happens to come across the photo of punk shaking hands with Brian Danielson. CM Punk. The guy who left him. When he needed him most, he was livid and promised himself he was going to be the best in the world in spite of punk. He promised that whatever outcast kid was being bullied and only had him on his TV screen, he wouldn't leave like that gutless coward punk because he even called him a gutless coward. He says you can choke he says you could choke him with a chain, make him bleed buckets, but he won't quit because he's better than that and he's better than punk. And he knows it, cause out, so out comes Punk. He's just, he literally just says nothing. He just see him get in the ring, he's just staring, like up on the steps, just staring at Punk, just staring at MJF. Yeah, when he got in the ring, he was asking MJF if it was, if it was yeah, true. Yeah, he finally got in the ring, and he just like walks in, just stops, and goes, is that true? And MJF, you can just see him start to shed a tear a little bit. And he's like... He doesn't say it verbally, but you can see his mouth just go, it's true. And then Punk just keeps just kind of looking at him, and he got out of the ring and then left. And as he was going up the ramp, Punk's just like distraught, like doesn't even know how to react. MJF's just walking up the ramp. You can see the tears still coming out of his eye. And we went to commercial, and I'm just like, okay, this is fucking bizarre, because I... Never thought I'd see this out of MJF. This is fucking weird. 
I saw the perfect comparison to this. What was it? First of all, I just want to say, this is no exaggeration. That promo was probably one of the best promos I've heard in quite a while. Yeah, it was really good. Especially when you hear this comparison. Okay, what's the comparison? When When you're... in, when you're watching a movie, right, <coughs> mm-hmm. and you see the bad guy, they introduce you to the bad guy, mm-hmm. and you're like, man, why is he such a dick? Mm-hmm. Why is he such an asshole? Why is he such a prick? So on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Then you go on, and he's still being a dick for no reason, you're like, God, this guy's such an asshole. I just don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the part of the movie where the bad guy... Gives his backstory. Pretty much reveals his motives and why he's doing it. Not his motives. His backstory. Okay. He gives his reasons as to why he is so bad. And that's kind of what MJF did. That's... It's what he did. So... He came out and he said, I'm an asshole because I was bullied. I'm an asshole because I got quarters thrown at me and called a Jew boy. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm an asshole because my favorite of all time left when I needed him the most. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a really, really fucking great promo. The only thing is, I think it's a ruse. It's definitely a ruse. I think it's just trying to lure Punk to lower his guard. And then probably right before revolution, he's going to kick Punk in the dick. I do have to admit that as much... People were saying that the the promo just it it seemed like out of the blue and random, and I do admit that it just kind of seems random for yeah. him to give his backstory. Right? He was so hell bent on beating Punk, and now that he's about to face him again, he's just like, "Ugh, I can't. This bugs me so much because he's one of my he's my icon, and I can't leave him. Like I can't do this again. Like." It's, it's bizarre. Like, it's a weird switch. But again, I, I still think it's a ruse. I think it's a ruse to lower Punk's guard. I do agree that it is probably a ruse. Yeah, I don't see it being any other thing. And I think it's perfect because if MJF beats him again, I like the freaking build to this so far. Because it's, again, it's lowering Punk's guard down. So it's going to be one of those things where Punk's going to be like, oh, well, maybe the match will be called off. Maybe I don't have to do this again. To the point where just as it's about to freaking be called off, MJF just finally turns on him and says, ha, you believed all that shit? Like, you really are PG Punk. Like, it's going to be... I don't think it's a ruse. I think it's just a, like you said, I think it's just a way to lower... Punk's uh, guard. Yeah, yeah. It's just a way to lower Punk's guard and get him to be sympathetic. It could to be MJF to the point that MJF is just gonna take advantage of yeah, that. Yeah, take pretty advantage. Much. I think it's a hundred percent true. I do too. I think it is too. But I think he's the kind of guy that just goes, "Hey, look what I'm doing now. You guys picked on me. You can go fuck yourself." Kind of yeah. thing. It's not one of those things where it's like. I did this for myself. I did this for my family kind of thing. This is one of those things of MJF just going, hey, I, I'm better than you. So you go fuck yourself. Like, 
It's but just that, it doesn't change the fact that the promo was phenomenal. No, I thought it was fucking fantastic. Literally fantastic. But we went to commercial. We got Daniel Garcia in 2.0 interviewed. Parker says they walk through these doors together and now Danielson wants to swoop in and mentor Garcia. Matt Lee says if he wants a taste, he's getting a taste. Garcia says he doesn't need a lesson in violence. And tonight he'll teach Brian the lesson and walked off. So next was the Death Triangle. Death Triangle and Kings of the Black Throne. Another rematch from last time. This, minus the crowd. The crowd for me, I love this match. This was really good. Yeah. The crowd did not seem fucking interested in the fucking slightest. Yeah. The crowd after that battle royal was just so it was like lackluster the, and, and it just seemed so bored. The thing that sucks though is the fucking battle royal didn't drain them. They weren't like ex- insanely hyped for the battle royal, so I don't know what the hell happened. Like anything that happened in that battle royal, they did not. There was not really a big fucking massive ovation for anything really. Yeah. So I don't get why they fucking weren't into this match, but so Kings of the Black Throne came out, Black and Brody King came out. They did their thing. Pack comes out to his regular entrance. He doesn't come out to the Death Triangle one, and lights go out because we know how. Lights go out with Black and Brody the entire time, so. Lights go out. Lights shine on the stage. We hear some different music. And we see Alex Abrahantis stand on the stage, face-painted, giant, like, demonic-looking robe. And we just see a gravestone standing on the stage. And I'm like, the fuck is this? And I'm like, is th- I'm like, this is Penta? I'm like, holy shit. And he just creeps up behind the fucking tombstone with just this demonic look on his face with a fucking shovel in his hand. And I'm like, I fucking love that. He's now going by Penta Oscuro, which I was like, that's fucking cool. I was like, I love that. That looks amazing. Yeah. But... Again, the crowd just wasn't into this, and I don't get why they weren't. They barely fucking... They felt like they were dead for this. Like, there was a couple people making a reaction, but it was, like, nothing. And I don't get why this got fuck all for a reaction. This was really good. The only thing in this match that got some sort of fucking reaction was after the match. Yeah, because... So Death Triangle gets the win. We get the jump on... Penta and Pack, and Malachi grabs the shovel, and just as he's about to use it on Penta, the lights go out again. So I'm thinking... Which, which at this point, JR's just fucking over. He's like, lights on, lights off, lights on, lights off. He was like, wax on, on wax off, yeah. And here I am thinking, okay, we've got dark Penta. We've got darker Penta now. I've already seen stuff of... Because Penta was at a AAA event recently, and Phoenix showed up there, and he looked like he was doing fine, but I guess he's still not medically cleared yet. Because So I immediately thought this was the confirmation we were going to see Phoenix. Lights go off, they come back on, and Buddy Matthews is standing in the fucking ring, and I lose my collective shit. I'm so fucking happy. To see Buddy Matthews on TV again. Holy shit. 
So he gets in and immediately he intervenes in between Black. Black fucking is sitting down, just scurrying away on his ass, trying to get away from, from Buddy. He helps pack up, standing up. Penta's still in the corner, laid down. Pack starts to get up and Buddy turns around and just blasts Pack with the fucking V-trigger. And they just lay it in on all three of them. It's so cool to see. So now Buddy's part of House of Black. I'm already loving this right now. I love Buddy Matthews. I love Malachi Black. I love Brody King. The three of them together is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. Just the way the, the two of them have history. The fact that the two of them have had such amazing matches and against each other. And now they're working together. Yeah. It's going to be fucking really interesting to watch. I cannot wait to see more of this. So, next up was the video package for Britt and Thunder Rosa. So, here's my thing. I'm trying so hard to give a shit about this. But I'm just not. Like, at this point, if Thunder takes the title from Britt Baker, that's literally going to be a plus at this point. It's For us, the Britt Baker-Thunder Rosa match and the Ronda Rousey-Charlotte match are one and the same. Yes. And the, we, we don't care about the match as long as Charlotte slash Britt gets their fucking title. I'll say this. If the two of them have a fucking great match again, I'll give it its fucking flowers. But since I'm so uninvested from Britt Baker, the only fucking thing at this point I want to see is Thunder take the title. Yeah. And I don't like this whole thing about how everybody keeps going out and saying it's long-term story. Because it's not long-term story. No. The two of them do not interact for shit for months after their fucking feud ended in the Lights Out match. (coughs) So... And then everything has to be Thunder versus somebody, but Britt's got to insert herself every time. Yeah, it, it, it's like no matter who Thunder Rosa is against, yeah. it's booked to be like, oh, Britt Baker th- sent fucking insert name here to attack Thunder Rosa just so they seem connected, even yeah. though they have zero connection other than for months, the now. random fucking like, booking that, oh, Britt Baker was the one that fucking sent her. Yeah, like, it's not fucking long-term. If they started and stopped it, it's not long-term. Like, as much as I loved the Hangman freaking Kenny Omega stuff, I'm not gonna call it long-term, because it start-stopped. This is the same thing. This is start-stopped. It started, you got the feud, you got to the point where it was ending, and then you freaking ended it. Now you're starting it up again and going, oh, it's long-term story, because they're going full circle. Yeah, but it's not how that works. They didn't interact for shit. It's not like Thunder beat her for the title at first, and then it got back to Brit. That's not that's full circle. But other than that, this is not freaking long-term story. They're just interjecting Brit into anything that Thunder Rosa has to do so they can call it long-term story. Yeah. And I think that's lame. At this point, if Thunder takes the title, it's going to be a fucking plus because I'm tired of Britt Baker as champion. Mm -hmm. I love Thunder Rosa. 
but this match has to live up to being fucking excellent. And at that point, if it isn't, the only good thing that's going to come out of it is fucking Britt losing the title, thank God. Yeah. So, we go to a commercial, we come back from a commercial, Eddie Kingston makes his entrance. It's the Jericho-Kingston face-to-face. See, we've already said so many times that this feud is stupid. It Mm -hmm. doesn't really fucking intrigue me at all because it's an Eddie Kingston-Chris Jericho match. Chris Jericho is at a stage where he's just not fucking interesting at all. Not at all. So unimportant to right? AEW television. Especially with all this shit. So now, again, it's it's all this whole him and Eddie are only feuding because they're both best friends with Santana and Ortiz. And they're literally just playground fucking arguing with each other like, he was my best friend. They were my best friend. Yeah, but they were my best friends too. Like... It's a stupid fucking way to start a feud for that. Like, it just doesn't fucking connect with a lot of people. But this promo battle was really fucking good. Yeah. Like, if they can keep these kind of promos up to kind of hook me into it, maybe I'll have some interest. Because this was really good. But I'm still fucking just not fully on the boat with it yet. The only problem... I had with it is that it, it was it was one-sided because you had Jericho calling him a loser and telling him his f- fucking family was a loser and shit like this and he can never win the big one mm-hmm. and stuff like that and then you just have Eddie Kingston going yeah well I don't want to talk but I want to fight Right? Like, giving no digs. We know fucking Eddie Kingston can talk on the mic. He can do some fucking jabs at people. Eddie and his fucking, this isn't sports entertainment. We're only, like, a few miles down the road from that shit thing is really kind of lame for Eddie. I'm not gonna lie. It was just really stupid. Just because we're that close, and it's Chris Jericho, you had to go, hey, uh... Titan Towers just down the road there, guys. Like, cool, Eddie. Thanks. Talk about the reason why you want to punch Chris Jericho in the fucking mouth. Not the fact that it's fucking, I don't know. Just because, oh, you... Listen, Eddie Kingston was in Evolve, okay? He had a chance at the big time. But literally, he got the fuck out of Dodge when Evolve got purchased. Yeah. So, he had the opportunity to be on the big stage. But because he's so fucking hell-bent to being a fucking actual quote-unquote wrestler, not a sports entertainer, he got the fuck out of Dodge. When he could have been on the big stage still if he wanted. Like, well, even if he was, I don't think it would work well. It probably wouldn't. It doesn't work. No. It wouldn't work well in fucking WWE. But he did a shitty job at... Trying to defend everything Chris Jericho was saying. Yeah, he, Chris Jericho was basically just fucking raining down fucking haymakers on him when he's on the full mount, and he's just fucking raining down fucking haymakers on him, and Eddie Kingston's yeah. just like, ha, ha, I don't want to talk, I want to fight. Yeah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk to a sports entertainer. I want to talk to a wrestler, like, I want to fight, like... Come on, Eddie, say something besides that. Literally every fucking insult that Chris Jericho would say, Eddie Kingston would go, <coughs> Hey, why are we out here talking? Why aren't we fighting? <laughs> also, 
Jericho, when he talked about Eddie having the match with Cody, and said, "What your match against what's-his-name? That shit was fucking stupid. The fact that AEW has that fucking quickly just gone to backstabbing Cody because he left is fucking ridiculous. Oh, how dare he leave us? Just fuck him. Stab him in the back. Like, What's his name? Take him out of the videos. Listen, I was at the point where I didn't give a shit about Cody. And I'm still at that fucking point. So if he does go to WWE, it's going to take a lot to get me back into him. Big time. But the fact that AEW was that quick to take him out of the fucking intro, not mention his fucking name whatsoever, shows you how fucking stupid they are. It's just really, like, petty. Yeah. It's fucking sad. It's fucking stupid. Like, it's dumb. Very dumb. But I enjoyed the shit out of this promo, though. Minus the little stupid stuff. I did like the part, though, where uh, Jericho accepted his Eddie Kingston's match. First of all, JR just fucking spoils it immediately yeah. when Eddie Kingston's coming down to the ring. He Eddie's coming down to the ring and JR goes, Eddie Kingston has his most important match to date at Revolution yeah. against Chris Jericho when the segment was supposed to fucking set up the match with Chris Jericho. Yeah. So we're supposed to just ignore the fact that we just heard JR say that the match was already made official. Yes. But Eddie lays out the challenge. Jericho accepts it. And I like the part where he says, where Eddie Kingston says to Jericho that he doesn't want the the one that had the mimosa match. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want the one that fucking... Got pushed off the cage got pushed by off MJF. the cage by MJF. He wants the the Jericho that's been that was the first AEW champion that bled buckets in Tennessee that got respect from one of his heroes, uh, Tenru, mm-hmm. uh, that Turn, turned WCW w- upside w- down. WCW upside down, and that his close friend Levesque hated. That's the one WWE reference that I actually enjoyed. Yeah, I thought the fact the earlier one that he just had to bring it up because they're right there was fucking dumb. But the whole, that his close friend Levesque hated thing, because if he doesn't, he's going to eat him alive thing, I was like, ah, okay. I see you. And that's, the whole, the, the promo itself, like you said, it was good. Yeah. And when when he said that he's going to eat him alive, and Jericho said that he, when he looks into his eyes, mm-hmm. he could tell that he doesn't believe the words he said. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I looked into Eddie Kingston's eyes. I was like, yeah, it doesn't look like he believed that at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, Eddie Kingston beating Chris Jericho is a big deal. Yeah. But it's it just, probably won't happen. Yeah. It's just, does Eddie believe he can do it at this point? Like, I, again, it started off so weak because Eddie would not respond to shit. But when he finally started talking, it made the promo just so much better. Honestly, he should beat Jericho. Yeah, he should beat but Jericho. But he probably won't. It would make more sense. Jericho doesn't need to fucking beat another person that needs a beneficial win. And they already have made the story that 
Eddie Kingston can't beat the big or can't win the big the big one. Yeah, and that Jericho has already claimed himself to be the big one. They've already said this before during the mock stuff that he wasn't ready for that situation. That he's that he wasn't gonna win the big one. That he had he couldn't win the big one, and he didn't win it. So it's not like we haven't heard this stuff. It's not like Eddie Kingston has been world title contender, like in a long time. The closest he was, was with Mox. And that was it. Yeah. Like, he needs to fucking show that every time somebody says, you can't win the big one, yeah, well, start stepping it up. Because Eddie Kingston's been in a fucking state where he's been losing a lot. He's literally just the guy who can talk his ass off. But when it comes down to it, he can't get the job done. And it's literally what Jericho said. Yeah. And now is the time to fucking prove it. Now's the time to slap the taste out of Jericho's mouth with that backhand and put him to fucking sleep. Like, I don't honestly give a shit if it's fucking ending the Santana and Ortiz and Jericho stuff. I don't give a shit. Just have Santana and Ortiz do their fucking thing by themselves. Have Eddie Kingston get a fucking big win and Jericho can just fucking fade away. Yeah. Like, at this Jericho won't fade away. When he needs to. Because honestly, Jericho's not doing much to help this company much no, anymore. it's not. He did it in the beginning. Like, as much as everybody hates the fact that Jericho was the first world champion, it was the right decision. They needed a name that people know to win the championship. Mm-hmm. For So people would go, whoa, Chris Jericho's their world champion? I need to watch this. Can't just throw Hangman on television and go, oh, well, uh... This is Hangman. He's our champion. Who's Hangman again? That guy, our champion. Yeah, like, that's all, like, it was more, it worked better with Jericho being your champion first. It was perfect. So, we get the Andrade Hardy family office promo. It's okay, okay. we don't have to talk about this. Just, nobody cares about this. The only thing of note is that they made a (coughs) six-man, a six-man tornado trios match for Revolution. Yeah, Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. I guess Mark Quinn can just go fuck himself. Yeah, fuck off Mark yeah. Quinn, I guess. For Sting, Darby Allen, and Sammy Guevara. So, okay. They also confirmed that on Rampage, it's going to be Sammy versus Andrade yeah, versus, so. for the TNT title. We'll see what happens when we get there. So, next was the Face of the Revolution ladder match qualifier. Ricky Starks in 10. This is just, again, I like Ricky Starks. I really do. But, like, this match was just there. It yeah, was literally just there. It was a thing. Yeah. It's hard to get invested. I hate to say it. Sorry, Amanda. But it's it's hard to get invested with Ricky Starks where, where one, he's carrying around a title that isn't even recognized. Yeah. And, two, he's barely on TV. And when he does, it's just to talk and talk shit about. And half the time, he's not even on TV thing. to do that either. Yeah. Like, it's it sucks. He needs to fucking be on TV more. Like, but thankfully, he got the win. Yeah, Starks got the win. Was he tried to demask 10? Took advantage of the mask over his face. Hit the spear, got the win. So, Ricky Starks is now the, old, the smaller guy in the match with three big guys. Which I think it's interesting that they put Starks and Hobbs in the same match. I mean, at that point, it kind of makes sense, though. Maybe this is leaning towards the end of Team Taz. I mean, let's just... I don't really know. I don't really know if I want to see the end of Team Taz, really. 
I like Teen Taz. It's just I mean, they need to fucking start doing something and making them feel like... I mean, if we're re- being realistic here, there's only one thing anybody cares about in Team Taz. And that's Hook. Hook, yeah. But, of course, you can't even put him on Dynamite, either. Yeah. He's Rampage only, which is fucking stupid. Let's get him on Dynamite so people can see him on Dynamite. Yeah, really. The people that watch Rampage can actually sit there and go, we know this guy. Yeah, it's it's been long enough. We- right? He's just been on Rampage getting wins over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's put him on Dynamite and start getting some wins then, for Christ's sake. Next was the TBS title. Jade Cargill defending against the Bunny. This was bad. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Really bad. And just... Listen, I like... I know how good Bunny is. I've seen her when she was Cherry Bomb. I've seen when she was Allie. Just regular, like, as Allie when she was in Impact. I saw what she was like. So I know if she's good or not. She's not bad. She's not the worst. She's just... When she's trying to fucking make anybody else look good, it's tough. Yeah. Especially when she's got to work with Jade. And I'm sorry, Jade is awful. She's not getting better. No. She's really not. Not not even a little bit. I see way too many people giving her a pass every time. They'll go, this match was great. Jade looks fantastic. And I'm like, can no. you guys just not just give her the free pass? Can we actually fucking say that she's not good? Because she's not. I'm sorry. Not at all. This match there's, was... There's not a single redeeming quality about Jade Cargill besides her physique. Yeah, besides the fact that she has an amazing look, and that's it. Her wrestling is so fucking lackluster, it's sad. She's not getting better at all. And I know it's probably because of the fact that they don't have anybody to help train them. But still... Well, they do have people to help train them. They just don't. Yeah. And even if they do... It doesn't matter. Cause Mark Jade... Henry has said plenty of times that the people in the back in AEW just don't accept the help. They think they know better. Yeah. Which is not a good mentality to have. Like, Jade is... Uh, see, it's literally the fucking thing I've said about Jade before. She's a champion, so she thinks she's already good enough. She, was, she thought she was good enough before she was a champion. Yeah, which is bad. That's not a good mentality to have. Because she's not good at all. Not at all. Especially because of what I told you about during the fucking match. Yeah. Not only was she not good before this, but there was a moment in the match where she fucked up completely. During the picture-in-picture, I saw this, and I had to fucking go back to make sure that I didn't see this. So before the freaking match went to a commercial, there was the sliding forearm by Bunny. In the corner. Well, she was in a seated... She was seated in the corner. Bunny comes flying in with the forearm. Rolls her out of the corner. And goes for the pin. And Aubrey counts two and stops. And Jade does not kick out. She literally had to wait for Jade to move her shoulder. Before she finally lifted her shoulder up. And then went two. First off... Aubrey sucks as a referee. She's awful. She, a prime example was during this match. 
this match especially. She kicked Matt Hardy and Mark Sterling out from ringside. When she threw them out, she had to like do a fucking pirouette and dance fucking move to look all fucking like flashy while throwing somebody out. And not to mention, when they had the... At the beginning of the match, uh, Bunny and Jade were like looking face to face, like close together. Mm -hmm. And of course, Aubrey has to stand right in the middle to get her fucking face in there. Yes. In the shot. Marty Elias, who was on Chat Grapple and Cheap Pop Show, talked about this the best. The referees should not be fucking trying to get themselves over. Yeah. There's no fucking need. And I agree with that fucking statement every time. That is bullshit. She does not need to be the fucking person to go in there and be like, hey, these guys are in this match, but look at me as well because I'm in this too. Like, no. Stop it. Get fucking better. Like, they have one good referee, and just recently he looked like a moron too. Yeah. Was the hangman stuff. As much as I loved the look of the buckshot, it made the referee look like a dumbass. It made Paul Turner look like a dumbass. And he's not the dumbass of the referees. He's their best referee. Yeah, and he's Everyone else is just awful. And he looked like a moron. Like, just bending over and going, okay, just flip off my back. Like, Aubrey is the worst. But Bryce is awful. Yes. Fucking Rick Knox. I don't even know if he's still even there. I don't either. He doesn't... We don't ever see him every time. He's there for buck matches. That's it. That's all he's ever... Every time he referees is in a buck match. And that's it. But that spot where she stopped mid-count and just fucking waited for Jade to kick out. And eventually she finally kicked out and just went two. This is one thing that as much as it's fucking stupid to a lot of people, I think makes sense. WWE does the thing... Where if it's a fuck up at any point and the and the ref counts three, it sticks. Yep. That's it. That should have fucking counted. She should have counted three at that mm -hmm. point. If Jade fucked up, that's on her. I'm sorry. I don't care if her first loss is to Bunny. I don't give a shit. You fucked up, you take the fucking loss. You're too fucking slow to fucking react to the referee counting. You fucking take the loss then. That's it. I've seen it happen plenty of times. Especially with WWE, we've seen it a lot. Where the refs will fucking just count it because somebody fucked up. Which honestly, I don't mind it. It's kind of shocking. And it kind of is just, it makes sense to do. Why fucking look like a moron in mid-count and then just stop and wait for somebody to kick out and then all of a sudden just go, and then she kicks out. Like, that looked so ridiculous. I remember... The first time I could, like, visibly remember seeing that was at one of the first ever NXT TakeOvers I ever watched. It was at my friend's house. We were watching TakeOver, and I'm pretty sure it was a Fatal 4-Way match. Just a regular Fatal 4-Way women's mm -hmm. match. It was Emma, Charlotte, Becky, and someone else. I don't remember who it was. Mm -hmm. Emma hit that fucking... This, the fucking cross body yeah, that she corner. did in the corner. Yeah. And she pinned whoever it was. One, two, three. And then they kicked Emma, out. Emma was like, I, I, I won. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If it's, listen, if it's a fuck up, count it. Yeah. Literally don't give her a chance. Don't just sit there and hesitate and go, you 
we're supposed to kick out. Why didn't you kick out? Like the ref, the ref should be doing their job, not yes. trying to protect kayfabe. Yeah, I'm sorry. Just Jade's win loss twenty eight plus and no loss record is fucking trash. I'm sorry. Yeah. The fact that you're trying to make her feel like Goldberg just doesn't work. Like you're telling me we have to sit through fucking a hundred plus wins of Jade Cargill before she loses the TBS title? Please no, because I can't handle this. I can't handle her as a champion now. You think I can handle it for ninety plus more matches? Absolutely not. She needs to get better. And I don't care where. It doesn't have to be going to the nightmare factory. Nothing. Go to a fucking school and fucking do some training. Something. Yeah. Get better. Like, she's not good at all. And I don't fucking understand it. She does not get better. She doesn't seem like she wants to get better. She just gets to walk around with a title and go, I got an amazing look. I have a title. What else do you guys want from me? I have an amazing look. Yeah. Look at my title. Look at my daughter <coughs> over there. That's another thing that annoys the shit out of me. Why does AEW, every time her daughter's there in the crowd, have to put the camera on her? That is ridiculous. It's just to build, like, sympathy. It's like, oh, look, her daughter's here watching her wrestle. I don't care. How about you fucking show your daughter that you're good? <laughs> instead of just going, oh, well, I have a championship and there's my daughter. Do you that like kid is too young to notice that her fucking mother is awful. AW keeps fucking, I swear to God, they must know that a lot of people don't like Jade and think that she's not that good, so they put her fucking daughter on camera all the time to go, hey, look, it's Jade's daughter. Do you like Jade because she's got a daughter? Her, no! Her daughter must think she's a superhero. Just, no, I don't like Jade. She needs to get better because this title reign's been dog shit right now. All of her wins have been ass. Literal ass. And she needs to get better. That is where I leave it. And now the fact that we getting a but, fucking yeah. title match at Revolution. And out of all people, because yeah. Jade wins the match. She's like, oh, I'm 28-0. and 0, Almost 30-0. and 0. So who's next on the list? Basically just being fucking Goldberg. And... The crowd instantly, as soon as she said, who's next, they just start chanting, Ruby! Ruby Soho! Ruby! 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 Nope. It's Tay Conti. As you said. One half of the most nauseating couples in the entire IWC. In the entire pro wrestling world right now. I am sorry. I like Ty. I liked Ty. I really did. But, oh my god. How many more times is she going to be inserted in a title match and expect me to give a shit? Also. And plus the whole thing with Sammy. I'm sorry. She is just absolutely fucking just... Again, her and Sammy's relationship is the main thing we see that you would see on Twitter. And it's fucking nauseating. Like, I get it. You guys are in a relationship. You guys love each other. But every time you post a picture, you don't have to fucking post a picture of you sucking face. Yes. We we fucking get it. Like, You're dating. Yes. We get it. You're a homewrecker. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. Like, we get it. 
you love each other, you're enjoying your relationship, you're happy together, we're happy for you, whatever, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. You don't have to post 12 pictures on fucking social media and all of them involve you kissing. It's just, it's so fucking ridiculous. Just look at how fucking amazing our Look at our how happy we are. Smoochies. Go fuck yourself. How about that? <laughs> so. You don't see fucking Anna J and fucking Jungle Boy. They, they, they did that one fucking picture of them kissing. Yeah, they have not been seen together since then. They did one picture on Valentine's Day on them a, on them on a date. They weren't kissing. They were just right. sitting together. Right. But but no, Tay and Sammy do their fucking Instagram fucking Valentine's Day posts. And one of the pictures is just them fucking sucking each other's tongues out of their throat. So, also, there was this... Playing fucking tonsil hockey. <laughs> so, Ty got immediately into there. She got face-to-face with Jade. She started just talking shit to Jade. At the one point... Jade literally kissed her on the forehead. <laughs> if you didn't see it. She literally is just moving her head back and forth, snapping at the mouth at Jade, and Jade gets all up into her and kissed her on the forehead. And that's what apparently set Ty off to jump her. Like, so Bunny gets in there, literally after just having this match, helps Jade Cargill take down Ty, just as they freaking leave Ty laying... Out comes Anna J, fucking five and a half minutes too fucking late with a fucking chair. Like, this was awful. And I'm not looking forward to Ty and fucking Jade Cargill. I am sorry. I'm not. I, at, even in the slightest. Not even one bit. So, we had the Keith Lee interview. He lists off the other entrance in the ladder match. He got interrupted by Starks and Hobbs. Ricky talking about how they have history with each other, which, again, you want to give me a Ricky Starks-Keith Lee match? Sign me up. Yeah, because Keith Lee was saying that uh, a lot of the people in the ladder matches are new faces, Mm -hmm. except for Ricky. Mm -hmm. And then Ricky was like, yeah, a lot of new faces, except for one person. Hello, Mr. Lee. Yeah. He just got all monotone, deep voice on on Keith Lee. He's just, hello, Mr. Lee. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, I love Ricky Starks. And if we're going to get a Ricky Starks-Keith Lee match before the fucking ladder match, give me that, please. But, That's uh, amazing. There's another thing that was teased in that uh, altercation. And that was uh, Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs. Eject that shit into my veins. Yeah, I'll take that. That'll be fucking amazing, because I like... I'm loving Will Hobbs. I love Powerhouse Hobbs. I do. I really do. And I love Keith Lee. So give me that matchup, please. One-on-one. I don't care if it's just a hype thing for fucking... big, sweaty men slapping meat. Oh, my God. Can we not? So, commentary hyped up the, the matches for next week. We went to a commercial. No, no. Not not only the matches of next week, but the matches that were made for Revolution. And I I feel so <laughs> bad for Excalibur. Because he had to do that basically all in, like, a 30-second fucking span. He was like... <laughs> he did, too. He, ra- he just fucking rambled the shit 
out of that entire fucking match card of next week's matches and Revolution's matches in one fucking breath. Yeah, he was and like, I was like, he was like at Revolution, Adam Page versus Adam Cole, and the Triple Threat Tag Team Match, Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon versus the team that we know next week, yeah. and then we have Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston, and then next week also we have the yeah. Casino Battle Royale, and I'm like. Breathe, like, Excalibur. Come on, please. He sounded like an auctioneer, like just rambling off fucking numbers the entire time, just naming off the card. It was really fucking hysterical to watch. Because I was like, damn, I feel bad though, because literally JR didn't jump in, Tony Schiavone didn't jump in, nobody jumped in to even try to say anything. They were just like, probably sat back and watched Excalibur fucking just ramble doing off. Doing that, that little bit almost made me pass out. Yeah. Like, it was so fucking just, like, crazy just listening to him ramble that both cards off of matches made for a revolution and next week's matches in one fucking fluent motion like that. And I'm like, alright, get this man, like, four bottles of water after this because he's just fucking shooting off at this point. But the main event, Brian Danielson versus Daniel Garcia. Can I say that I'm still not sold... On Daniel Garcia. I I tried to defend him last night to you. I try to and fucking defend him all the time with hearing all this great shit about yeah, him. Like we hear, the guy won Bola. We hear all the time that he's fantastic. And I'm we've been sitting here waiting to see that in action. And I made the defense to you last night because, spoiler alert, he lost this match. No surprise. Yeah. But we both agreed that his... Uh, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He's, he doesn't get the chance to do anything. Yeah, his, his role in this match wasn't, it wasn't as big as we thought it was to, like it was. When I saw this match announced, I was like, this is gonna be Daniel Garcia's chance to, like, show us what he's about. He wrestles, he's a technical wrestler. Like it's it. This is like this is Daniel Garcia's time to show out yes. and show us why everyone says that he's fantastic. Yes, but it wasn't. He didn't really do anything, honestly. Actually, Brian dominated a this lot match. of a lot of Daniel Garcia's fucking offense was during picture and picture. Yeah, like and it wasn't much really. Brian literally dominated this match. I felt like yeah, every single time Daniel Garcia got offense. It was either, like I said, in picture-in-picture, or he would have, like, small little offense that would be immediately reversed by Brian. Yeah. There was, like, Lee Moriarty, last week, put up a way better fucking showing than this. And I I hate to say that, because, like, I really wanted this to be Daniel Garcia's show-out. Yeah, but I did too. AEW keeps putting him in positions where they he just doesn't have the opportunity to to, mm-hmm. like, show, show his himself. abilities. Exactly. It's a problem. Like, when you hear a mass majority of wrestling fans talk about Daniel Garcia, and you go, boy, I can't wait to see what Daniel Garcia can do. And then you watch him when he's on AEW, and he just does absolutely fucking nothing. Yeah, like, at first he was... He's stuck. He still is stuck with 2.0. Yeah, and I don't know why. But even when he's in fucking one-on-one matches, he's he's dominated the entire time. Exactly. Like, he doesn't get anything in. And that's a problem. Like, you can't get invested in a guy who doesn't do anything. 
like I, I hate to make this comparison because they're like they're like sort of similar but not similar at the same time because the one dude has a lot more offenses and it's more mm-hmm. like uh the the top down type person Daniel Garcia reminds me a lot of ZSJ and I hate ZSJ See, and I don't mind ZSJ. I, I hate Zack Sabre Jr. I know you don't like Zack Sabre Jr. I because think, to you... I think every Zack Sabre Jr. match is boring. Uh, that's I've seen that a lot from people. Zack Sabre Jr. is one of those guys that it takes time to get used to. And it's not easy to get used to him. Because of the fact that everything it is, he's snatching you up in a submission. Yeah. And that's tough. Like, I get that. I understand. The thing about ZSJ is that his matches are boring. His matches are like... It's not the match that... It's not the part that his matches are boring because he's submission-based. His matches are boring because it seems like he doesn't allow people to do anything. Every Every offense that his opponent has is always... He always has a reverse. And that is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because it shows how technically sound it is, but it's a bad thing because it's not entertaining. To me, that is. Yeah. It's not entertaining to watch Zack Sabre Jr. fight fucking Sonata and have every single one of Sonata's fucking offense be reversed by Zack Sabre Jr. and have him fucking twirled up and fucking contorted into a pretzel. That's the good thing, though, because when it comes to Sonata, Sonata can fucking hold his own just as much. Yeah. It's as if Zach puts him in a submission, he has a counter for it. And that's that's exactly how I see Daniel Garcia. That's how I want to see Daniel that's, Garcia. That's what I thought Daniel Garcia was going to like show out eventually, but he just he never does. He yeah. never shows he gets in these positions and it, it seems like he just freezes. He this match up. this match was a prime example. Cause the way that everyone says he's so technically sound was right here was where I thought we were going to see exchanging of some of, of technical of technical. Like wrestling. don't get me wrong, he showed abilities to like escape submissions and yeah. stuff, but he didn't really do anything yeah, to retaliate he didn't back do from anything. That. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Brian dominated this match, and I get that. Like that's really the point of this whole thing because Brian is probably going to go through all the people that he noted that that he noted. Yeah, but and he's gonna. He's just going to dominate them all to the point that he's going to be like, oh, did he, did he fucking impress you guys tonight? See, the thing was, with Lee Moriarty, Lee looked fucking amazing there. Yeah. Like, he actually looked like he could have beat Brian if he wanted to. It just, it they Brian actually let him get stuff in as well. It wasn't just one-sided. This felt one-sided. Like, Daniel Garcia did not do anything to like combat Brian. Like he found his way out of his submissions, which is fucking cool because he has clean fucking like ways to get out of a submission, but he doesn't have much to retaliate. He didn't do much to retaliate back, which is really disappointing because with out of the three people that Brian mentioned in Moriarty, Garcia and Dante Martin, which I believe was the other one. It was Wheeler Yuta. Oh, it was but I thought he mentioned Dante at one point, too. I don't know. But still, when now, as of right now, Daniel Garcia is the weakest showing. And that sucks. Yeah, like, if we go to the end of the match, not to mention, like, the the, mat, the end of the match was, like, really sudden. 
Yeah. Like it was. It felt like it was getting into that next gear. <coughs> and they then, finally started doing something. Yeah. And then, it was getting into the first gear, and then Daniel Garcia goes for a dragging screw. Fucking Brian reverses it because, like I said during the match, I was like, "That's the first time I've ever seen somebody reverse a dragon screw like that." Yeah. Like literally, just like planting his foot down. Yeah. I've never seen somebody fucking yeah. reverse a dragon screw like that. But he reversed the dragon screw, planted his foot. Does the stomps, puts in the triangle, and wins. Yeah, it was sudden, and it didn't do anything to show you how good Daniel Garcia is. That everyone keeps talking about. Yeah, and it, it literally just showed that Daniel Garcia knows how to get out of submissions. Yes, it shows that he's a good... He knows how to get out of technical stuff, but he didn't do much to like retali- show the up- the other side. That he could... Out that he could actually wrestle down Brian Danielson. Yeah, and that was what disappointed me. But we had the whole the face to face where he he tried to hype up the whole. Did Daniel Garcia do good? Were you guys happy for him? And yeah. it was just like, no, not really, because just I wasn't. I just wasn't pleased with it. Like again, it was the weakest showing from here compared with Lee Moriarty, where he just stood out like crazy and he looked fantastic and then I just look at Daniel Garcia and just go come on man like again I want to like him everybody says he's so good like come on the guy won Battle of Los Angeles yeah I'm, I'm waiting to see this fantastic wrestler that people right? are saying and I'm not seeing it yeah like if that man can go through Bola and win Battle of Los Angeles with how grueling that tournament is like, the fact that he didn't win, the fact that he just doesn't show that he's that good, sucks. Because all these words that everyone says where they're like, yeah, Daniel Garcia's great. And I go, I want to believe that. But you don't give me a reason to believe that. He doesn't give me a reason to believe that. Like, I believe the people that say that, but he doesn't give me a reason to believe that. And I think that's in point that AEW doesn't let him have the chance to show. That is one of, that's the big issue there, is that... Because he's always put in these situations that it's just, like, sure, they're winless situations, but I'm, he just, they don't allow him to have offense. It's the two, it's, I think it's the stuck with 2.0 stuff, and that's what I think is a really bad thing for him. The fact that he's just, just mitigated to this tag team that just... stuck with two losers two jobbers as far as i'm concerned they left and came here and yeah they've gotten what probably a few wins here and there but it's still not been impressive for 2.0 yeah and sticking daniel garcia that everybody loves and doesn't really get to do much in there and having him lose constantly just doesn't fucking back up the claims of how good daniel garcia is and that's just crazy but after the match we got Speaking of 2.0. Yeah, we got 2.0 jumping jumping Brian after Brian did the whole, did Daniel Garcia impress you guys? And they kind of got a reaction from the crowd. 2.0 did the jump. Mox's music plays. Mox comes out to make the save. He gets face-to-face with Danielson after dropping, I don't remember which one from 2.0 it was, but drops them. I just dropped Garcia from that, remember? Yeah, he hit him yeah. with the, the uh, paradigm yeah. shift. Yeah, so they go face-to-face. 
Brian's got the mic. He says if they need to bleed together, he doesn't, because he had a chair in his hand, I guess he was going to use that to defend off, but Mox took care of everything there. And he goes, if we're, if we, if we don't need to, if we need to bleed together, I don't need this chair to make anyone bleed. He says if Mox wants the match, he gets it at Revolution. So again, we're probably getting that one-on-one, which, yes, please. Brian even said the whole, don't be surprised if you're the only one bleeding yeah. at one point, which I was like, okay, well, shit. Again, it's it's Brian Danielson. It's John Moxley. A, the, a tease of them teaming together was nice, but it's a one-on-one match that we're going to get between the two of them. We knew it was coming this way, especially because at one point when they, they were pretty much the obvious final. Yeah. For the one that Brian won. For the AEW number one contender yeah. tournament. Yeah. Like, it, that was clearly your final. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be Brian and Miro. Yeah, no, but Mox pulled himself out to go to rehab, which, again... Good on him. Yes, he's done fantastic for himself. It's good to see that he's doing better. And now we're getting this one-on-one match, and I think it's worth it. It's going to be a fucking fantastic match, and I can't wait. Like, Although, one little nitpick is... Uh, Moxley said that he will not uh, team with Brian as long as he doesn't bleed with him. But uh, if that's the case, then why did he help him? I mean, he... It's bizarre. I don't know why. I think it's because... I get that you... It's it's probably because he wants Brian at full strength. Like, one of those, like, I can't have you going in at, like, 90% I mean, against yeah, me. yeah, that makes thing. sense. Like, but it's also going against what he said. Yeah. He was like, I can't team with you if we don't bleed together. Well, I figured that. But then I'm going just going to help you fend off 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. So, either they're going to team together after this. For some kind of, for them, like, forming the group like they were going to do? Or this is just the way to, I don't know, kind of, like, gain respect between each other, which I don't get why you would do it, because... Which, like, if if we're doing this, like, gain respect type thing, does that mean both of them are faces again? I don't know. Does that mean Brian is turned face? I mean, Brian's going to be the heel in this situation. Because even then, because you've seen how he just didn't hesitate. He beat Daniel Garcia and just goes, yeah, I'm just going to face you. Forget this. He says, forget this whole thing. He's like, we're going to bleed. We're going to bleed together. And that's it. And yeah, that's just it. I, don't know. I know. It, it is weird. It does. It did feel like they went against the entire thing that Mox said. Was, we have to bleed together to team together. But if this is their way of bleeding together, is having a match, then so be it. At this point. But then you would think that Mox wouldn't help him. I know. But they're going to bleed together now. Which means there is going to be blood in this match. Obviously. So, again, there was... If you think about it, there really was no other way to really make... We have to bleed together to work together thing work. That doesn't just say they're going to have to have a match, really. It would have made more sense if they were like... If instead of getting physical with 2.0 and Daniel Garcia, they could have just had Mox come out with, like, a fucking chair or a fucking 
pipe or something mm-hmm. and have them fucking run off instead of getting physical. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, it's different than fighting alongside mm-hmm. Brian compared to like, <clears throat> just helping Brian. See, the thing I thought they were going to do, I thought they were going to do the Mick Foley, Ric Flair thing at first. Just punch themselves in the Just head make themselves bleed. bleed and then they bled together. But then you could still have the match. Like, either way. Like, I, I don't know what the hell they were intending to get to this match. But the fact that this match is what's going to make them bleed together to possibly form a group together, so be it. I still point. think it would have been better if Mox just came out with a pipe mm-hmm. and ran them off. Because like I said, it would have been... It, it would have worked more with the story mm-hmm. that he wasn't working with Brian. He just helped Brian get them away. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. instead of fighting alongside Brian, because the whole point is that Brian's trying to get Mox to be on his side and yeah. fight alongside with him. But he just did yeah. without bleeding. Yeah, Mox, so instead, Mox literally just, said that you're, if we haven't bled together, we're not teaming. Yeah, so instead yeah. he should have just came out with a pipe and had fucking 2.0 and fucking Garcia just run off. Yeah. Like, run off up this ramp. Like, like I said, I guess this is their way of using the whole, we haven't bled together, this is how we're going to bleed together. Yeah. And that's it. It was so, just a way to get the match. Yeah, again, I can't wait to see the match. I really can't. It's, yeah. it's Mox and Brian, and I can't wait. So, that's it. We made it through this. We've had some breaking news. We had some little bit of news before the show. We did the reviews. We covered the shows. We hit double digits on episodes. This did not feel like we went two and a half hours. It doesn't at all. It actually honestly feels like less than that. But, you know, time flies when you're having fun. So, But I guess we did rant about like four different fucking things. I mean, we got a lot of stuff in there. For this episode, so... I don't even remember... What was the thing we talked... Oh, Swerve and yeah. fucking Jeff. Jeff, yeah. Right. Yeah, we talked that. We talked... Uh, we talked about Swerve and Jeff. We talked about the we breaking about Cesaro stuff. Cesaro. We talked about and NXT. Talked about Cage a little bit. Yep. We talked about AEW. I think we covered pretty much everything we need to get in this episode, so... Yeah, now that Cage's contract is still going with AEW, you could slap him back on the cartons. He's still on the carton. He's he wasn't going to be off the carton anyway. Well, he was he off left. the he was off the carton because everyone thought his contract expires, and then that, that's why he was at Warrior yeah, Wrestling. But, yeah, but even at that point, if he didn't resign, he'd still be on the carton because we haven't seen Brian Cage at all. Yeah, minus we did. We the, saw him at Warrior. Yeah, but minus the Warrior Wrestling stuff. Yeah, but still, he still made an appearance. Yeah. But then he got put right back on there anyway, after that. Yeah, now he's on there because now he's still employed with fucking AEW. Yeah, but so little now, right. he's, now he's back on the carton. <laughs> <laughs> you figure after the Warrior Wrestling appearance, that would be the thing to put him back on TV so we could permanently take him off the milk carton. But nope, he's going to go right back on the carton again. Yep, right after that after that appearance, he went right back on there. He's with, he's with his buddies, v- yep. Veer and Miro. Yep, Vero. so we did it. Episode 10 in the bag. Anyway... That's it. You can follow us on Twitter. Just in time two one one. Jeremy in time seven two one. It's the in time wrestling podcast with the in time brothers of destruction. Shouts to Tim. We I love it now. That's Tim from the Wrestling Index. Yes, or all enter all everything entertainment. Yeah. Which uh, hopefully that him that is and, that is such a cool idea. I hope him and I really hope him and Ryan can get that going. That'd be amazing. 
because I am all in for it. Mm -hmm. So we are out of here.